What is up, people? Thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a lot to get to on this show. We'll be talking about the new announcement that Tenet will indeed be debuting in theaters, but it will first be opening up internationally and only in select theaters in the U.S. at a later date. So we'll give you guys all the details about that. Also, Marvel finally gets this girl, Haley Seinfeld, reportedly signs on to play Kate Bishop in Hawkeye. We'll talk about uh, what we think about that report and whether we think uh, that's a that's a good move for Marvel moving forward. Some really disturbing allegations against uh, former head of Marvel Entertainment, uh, Jeff Loeb. We'll give you guys the latest on those allegations. And this Zack Snyder, uh, well, as they're calling it, Zack Snyder's Justice League, we're about a month away from probably figuring out a lot of the details that will be that, that will be unveiled for that movie. Um, it's looking like DC Fandom will be that venue. We got a very um, a clip this week that I think people have been waiting for for a very long time. So we'll talk about that as well. And of course, we got our episode recaps as we normally do. So this week we got Agents of Shield, and we also have uh, Star Girl for for this week's episode. So and boy, Agents of Shield, I, I really can't wait to talk about this week's uh, episode because it was uh, a banger considering uh, the criticism I gave last week. So this should be a good show. Joining me are my co-hosts, starting with Sham, Shamari Stewart, who is back from his one-week hiatus. It's good to have you back on the show, Sham. Glad we got that uh, contract negotiation holdout squared squared away (laughs) to get you back on. But in all seriousness, one of the big things that happened this weekend was the first ever Comic-Con at home, this virtual convention where, uh, as you guys know, this weekend should have been San Diego Comic-Con, which is the biggest event of the year, calendar year for for this show, considering all the news and, and new uh, trailers and all the different information that comes out during San Diego Comic Con, we can't have that, of course, because of this pandemic. So we had a virtual convention this year. I didn't watch any of this because I was working during the day during when all this stuff was happening. But I gotta say, Sham, it seemed uh, it seemed underwhelming because I didn't see a lot of newsmakers really coming out of it. I didn't see a lot of people talking about it. I, I haven't really gotten a, a great gauge in terms of how much of a success it was, but the lack of of social engagement that, that I've seen tells me that maybe it wasn't um, it wasn't what we hoped it would be. I know that Jeff uh, that Josh Whedon didn't show up for his panel. They canceled his panel at last minute or whatever. And that was the only thing I really, really was looking forward to considering all the stuff that he's been um, under, all the scrutiny he's been under in recent days but we did get a couple of things we did get some stuff for hellstrom we did get some stuff for uh for uh, new mutants what did you make of this uh first ever virtual convention for comic-con um well of course first of all i'm glad to be back happy to be back um and um yeah i mean i think for me the expectations were never very high especially once it was announced that marvel wasn't gonna like be there or Marvel Studios was like no, we knew DC wasn't going to be there. We knew DC wasn't going to be there. So at that point, it's like okay. So I know you do the math in your head. Marvel at that point, it's like there. that was like DC not. It's DC's like not there. It's like I know not to expect much. Right. So I actually thought it was it was pretty. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I mean, they were dropped. The format they had was they would just drop the panels when they were scheduled to just drop. They pre-recorded them. And they just they would just release it, which I'm just like, you know, I mean, it makes sense. It, that way they can still kind of have the 
the schedule that they had before. They could keep that format, but just release everything online. It probably could have been organized a little bit better on their YouTube page. Yes. But overall, I, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was, overall, it went pretty well. You know, not a lot of, you know, at least from what I understand, not a lot of situations where people are like, oh, where's this panel? It's not, it's yeah. glitching, it's yeah. low quality, I can't see what's going on. Everything now, that they said was you know, going to come out, besides the Joss Whedon thing, yeah, right. came out. Yeah, everything. It wasn't like oh, just a major panel just disappeared. Yeah. And I watched a couple of panels that I was interested in. And Kenan watched the Lucasfilm one with me. Yes, um, which we'll talk about on. Yeah, Imperial we're going to talk about on Imperial broadcast. Check out Imperial broadcast. <laughs> um, I mean, it was pretty much what I would have expected. It's pretty much it's the, the same, same experience. The same experience, honestly. As as being in person, it's pretty much the same format. Same as the same Just, as the Hellstrom panel. Yeah, same thing. With, yeah, same thing with the Hellstrom panel. So I, overall, I thought it was. I thought it was fine. It didn't. It, I don't think it succeeded in terms of the fanfare, right. you know, which I didn't expect it to. Yeah. It's, it's all you know. It's vir- it's online. It's virtual. Not unless yeah, they're dropping yeah. some ma- major bombshells. And without those yeah. new, those big heavy hitters with Marvel and DC, yeah. who are the backbone, I think, of Comic Con, it's yeah. just it's just like dead man walking. Yeah. So they, you know, they were they they definitely were not going to do that. But just in terms of, you know, keeping the trying to keep the panel experience. Um, I think I thought it was overall it was a success. You know, they didn't have any screenings, obviously, because you know they're online. So I mean, there's no none of that. Yeah. Obviously, there's no in-person experience with the artists and the galleries and the and the uh, autographs and photo ops and it, <laughs> right. none of that is. Did there. any of the so panelists like, like cosplay? <laughs> Did any of them cosplay? Uh, that would have been cool. I don't. There may. I mean, there were so many panels. Right. Yeah, a lot. A lot. So like there probably was one or two on cosplay, but I think but I've I, seen some people online that said they were cosplaying for Comic Con at home. Oh, interesting! I think I, cool. I think I saw that. I think I might have seen a couple of things like that too. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I mean it's just it's so hard to keep that that kind of experience. But overall, I thought they did a decent job with 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 what they were what they had to work with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kendall Stewart joins joins us on the show. What's up, Kendall? Um, what do you think of the experience? And what do you think of some of the uh, the, the footage we got to see? Um, we got to see some footage from yeah. New Mutants, some some uh, a trailer from Hellstrom. What did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, the experience. Uh, what I was going to say was it's it's interesting because it was. I thought it was, I thought it was fine in terms of as a as a, as a viewer. You know, I watched. Um, some of the Cartoon Network panels uh, that I thought were interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely watched, obviously, the Hellstrom panel. Did not check out the New Mutants one, which I think was probably their most popular in terms of views. Right. Yeah. Um, I had tens of thousands of people watching that one, but um, for the most part, it was pretty. It was pretty low, uh, low stakes in terms of the, the the content they were putting out. I mean, The Boys was a pretty big one. The Boys season two, um, again, Hellstrom new Marvel show coming out on Hulu was a big one for them. But honestly, I have to say, at the Comic-Con, they, they, they should be a little embarrassed. And not necessarily they should be embarrassed say, by yeah. the product they put out. Let me let me, let me me preface by saying this that. This is COVID. Yeah, this is COVID situation. You know, I'm not expecting them to put out, like, A-plus content. And, like, <laughs> I, I'm not thinking in a selfish way in that manner. Mm. But they should be embarrassed in the sense that, Justice Con 
came out the same weekend, and they, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but I can guarantee you that Justice Con's three or four or five biggest panels destroyed Comic Con's three or four or five biggest panels. Comic Con had like fifty panels, so like I'm sure in a total number, like Comic Con may have had more views, but if we're looking at a top five. Justice Con. I mean, they had a, they had a, they did a panel with Zack Snyder. Why couldn't that have been a Comic Con? They did a panel with Zack Snyder. Warner Brothers paying Zack Snyder a lot of money not to do anything with Comic Con. <laughs> right. They did a panel with Zack Snyder, Ray Fisher, Ray Porter, who's playing Darkseid in in the movie uh, Justice League. They 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 were get, they had a, a massive massive weekend for them. Uh, an independent. Uh, convention that right. didn't have all this money tied into it. Just just fans putting together something uh, for other fans of Justice League, and they got hundreds of thousands of views on their on on their videos this yeah. weekend. So credit to them. I, embarrassed may be a strong word. But yeah, I, was gonna say, I don't think it, embarrassed may be a strong word. But look, I mean, they're the ones with the brand. Like you got you gotta look at yourself and be like, man, these guys put this together. What what about what what are we what are we doing? I mean, look, you're only as I mean, when it comes to that kind of stuff, you're only as big as the people you're able to get. Yeah. If Comic Con isn't able to able to get anybody, <laughs> then who's gonna watch their stuff? Yeah, it's very odd. I mean, again, I think the Josh Whedon thing really messed them up because that was a yeah. big name that they were, I think were hoping kind of like Zack Snyder, you know. Right. They thought now I don't, I, the logic doesn't make sense there that you know like a Zack Snyder panel destroy a, a Joss Whedon panel at this time because Jack, Zack Snyder is actually making something that people care about versus Joss Whedon I don't know what he's doing so right. you know like obviously the numbers still would have been getting caught up in controversy a, a blowout <laughs> yeah, exactly but um, but no in terms of the in terms of the content I mean I can't speak for New Mutants I mean they did release some stuff I mean the movie all this stuff seems the same to me. Um, I'm just I just want to see the movie when it comes out. I don't really want to see the movie, but I'm just waiting for it to come out eventually. But on Hellstrom, it's interesting. You know, Hellstrom it definitely seems like it's going to be an interesting show. The thing I took away from it the most is very ambiguous about what it's about. Uh, if you I mean mm-hmm. if you know the comics, you know what it's about. Um, but uh, very ambiguous in terms of like you know a lot of the the gritty details. Um, I think they want it to be like that. Uh, seems like there's going to be some big twists, which should be interesting. But the thing I found most interesting about the Hellstrom panel was that they weren't marketing it as Marvel's Hellstrom, like we've seen with Marvel, Marvel's Runaways and Marvel's, you know, Netflix's Daredevil or whatever, or Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. This was just Hulu Hellstrom. Right. And to me, I think that it's clear that that's the only reason why Feige let this show come out, is that this show is distancing itself from the Marvel brand more than other shows, um, which is smart for them because, I mean, it's not like Captain America. No one's expecting Captain America to come in. You know, it's a very fringe Marvel story. So it makes sense why they're doing it. And it's a show that easily could blend into the horror theme anyway, rather than superheroes. So I just found that interesting. I think that's the only reason why, why we're getting it. And I'm fine. I don't need it to be called Marvel's Hellstrom for me mm-hmm. to be excited about it. Um, yeah, they they it sounds like there's going to be some comic book elements to it, but it's just not going to be 
trying to be plastered with Marvel all across the screen. Yeah, and I, and I thought that I actually liked the new mutant stuff that came out. I did too. I thought I thought it looked better than the stuff they had been releasing before. Yeah, yeah, I, new mutant stuff. The new new, and I thought the last trailer New Mutants did was good. But the last um, trailer? <laughs> no, I meant the one before the one we just saw. No, I thought that the I thought that. And the other, while I, I, to be honest, maybe besides the fir- very, very first one, I, don't, I think all of the stuff New Mutants has shown has been interesting. I don't think that's ever really been. I don't think that's ever been really been the question. Um, I think the question is just, you know, when are we going to see more, or what's the plan in terms of putting a movie out, or are you going to show us anything that makes it look like there's any discernible plot to take away from it? And I would argue there still really hasn't been much of that, but. What I will say is one of the things that we're missing from maybe the, the earlier footage we kept seeing was the lack of action. It seemed to kind of hinge more on just this kind of uh, suspense, horror theme without showing us really any action being taken. So you have these mutants with these great powers, but we don't really see them do anything. We see them running away from paranormal activity, for lack of a better term. And it's just like, how much of that is going to be that interesting after you see it for the third or fourth time. Um, I thought the last trailer did a good job with this, and this one also did a good job of trying to inst- instill the action New Mutants X-Men element to the horror theme that they're already trying to push, which is all I ever wanted. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, the New Mutants, I know that they're a comic book team. I read New Mutants comic books, and I know what we're going to get from this movie is going to be very unlike what we're used to seeing from the New Mutants. But I do think that when you have these properties that are kind of, um, you know, not mainstream per se, uh, you have more freedom to do what you want. It's what we talk about all the time with Doom Patrol. So it doesn't mean what you create can't be awesome and you can't be inspired uh, to do something different with these characters that have a previous canon. But there's still elements we still got to see a little bit of. And I think that the action and the mutant powers and, 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 the, and the team aspect of it was missing in every trailer they did. This was the first one I thought they finally really hit that home. And to the point where I was kind of interested. I was like, yo, I kind of want to see this movie now. Like, I'm not saying that this is like, you know, I'm not, I'm breaking, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking down the doors at my, uh, you know, my local, uh, you know, Lowe's or Regal theater to make sure I, I watch this in a pandemic. But, uh, I like, whenever I get to see it, I, I want to check it out. Like, I, I think it's going to be cool. You know what I'm saying? And the health stuff, I thought it looked interesting as well. I did notice that the, the lack of the Marvel marketing, and I mean that's gonna hurt the show in terms of like audience engagement and how many people pay attention. I don't think that Disney really cares. I, I think this could very well easily be a one and done. I think that the, the paperwork and deals might have been set, and they kind of have to just go through with it at this point. Um, but but from what I saw, I still was intrigued. Like I, I still want to check that out. EJ, uh, you have to. Uh, I regret to inform you. You have to. You have to eat the crow that you said you would last week. Yeah. So, so last week, I, I, I said that you made a bold statement, man. Yeah, I said that and there I, was no I way. I was not. I was not as bold in my uh, assertion. Yeah, I said that there was no way that the, the 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 teaser that we saw that got leaked was fake. It was a Disney Plus teaser for New Mutants that I, that that people had then come out and said this is fake. I said that this was no way this was fake. And look, here's what I'll say. Clearly, New Mutants at this point in time is not coming out on Disney Plus at, on September 7th or whatever that date was. What I will say is I think I do think someone from Disney made that clip because that was on the table. 
is what I will say. I'm wrong. I'm clear I'm wrong that that's not going to happen. What I will say, I think that I don't think that I, I still don't think that that was someone who got footage of the movie that we haven't seen before and put together something like that. I don't think that that's what happened. I think that a, a, a promo that was never approved got leaked and then we saw it. That's my that's what I think happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's which possible. which can happen again. Yeah. I, I work at a news station where we make promos that have to see a million eyeballs before they actually see the air. And sometime, and then they could be in a folder that gets mixed in with something else, and all of a sudden someone's got their hands on it that shouldn't, and it gets on there. And believe me, I've seen it happen. Not to put you know my job on the spot, but I think it happens at every media company where something like that can happen. I think that's what happened with Disney. I think that someone was tasked with putting together a Disney Plus promo for New Mutants. They put it together. It looked great. Somehow, it got on the internet, and 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 what were at one point plans to potentially put it on Disney Plus in September. They're no longer those plans, and yet somehow that thing got leaked. So, this, again, they're saying the word fake. I don't think that, again, I just don't think that it's fake. They're, again, the graphics were too good. The animation were too good. I just I think that it was made but not made for air. But, look, man, give me my crow. Uh, do I need to eat it by bowl, by spoon, whatever you Whatever, whatever, I'll have some milk with it. Whatever, make it taste taste better, make it go down better. I'll, I'll, I'll gladly, gladly take it. I was wrong. So people who were, there were, there were a lot of you know like uh, New Mutants truthers on the internet who were like, this is obviously fake. So I know y'all were out there. So y'all have your day. You were right. This movie apparently still will come out in theaters. But, New um, Mutants, interestingly enough, starting to develop kind of a cult like feel. It, it is. It's kind of weird. Our right? group of people that are just like new mutants or bust, and it's like you people were, did not exist two years ago. Now I think some of it is the is the Macy Williams crowd. You know, she's definitely a huge name now, and some of the different actors and actresses in the property. But it's definitely still weird. It's definitely still a weird thing to see come out of nowhere. It is weird. It it is it is weird. Cause I, I've seen I've definitely seen that uh, that new mutants mob on on the internet and it's fascinating. Shamari, real quickly, what did you think of the Hellstrom and New Mutants content? I thought the New Mutant stuff looked, looked good. I thought it looked better than the stuff that they had been showing previously, um, which looked interesting, but didn't necessarily look great. I thought this looked like a good movie. This looked like something I would see in, in the movie theater. I agree. So, um, so yeah, I, I thought New Mutants had a good weekend, and I think that Hellstrom also had a good weekend. I thought they're, they're trailer while i agree with kendall is very ambiguous still don't really know what's going on but it definitely looks interesting and it looks creepy and i think hulu's kind of on a roll with that i think castle rock has been very good and very successful on hulu so far shout out to mark bernardin by the way yes absolutely shout out to mark bernardin um uh we gotta get him on the show <laughs> for sure he's already on our youtube channel so he's a new, he's a new generation he'll, he'll want <laughs> well, I'm not. <laughs> we, already, we already got one one step of the way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I think Hulu's already kind of on a roll in that regard. So I think Hellstrom is going to be a great addition to that. No, I agree with, I agree with that as well. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what we're going to get from Hellstrom. Um, I do want to talk now about uh, what I thought was, speaking, staying, staying on the same kind of track a little bit with movie releases. Now we see New Mutants. Um, apparently still slated to come out in theaters. I was a little surprised by what we got to learn today, which was that Tenet, 
Uh, of course, you know, the movie being produced by Warner Brothers, directed by Christopher Nolan, will indeed open internationally before opening and debuting in the U.S. Now, the movie will debut in various countries that include the U.K., Canada, Germany, Australia, Japan, and South Korea on August 26th. There will then be a limited U.S. rollout in select theaters in select major cities like New York and Los Angeles on the Labor Day weekend. This comes after uh, AT&T CEO John Stanky confirmed that Tenet would not debut via a streaming service like HBO Max. He added that he'd be, quote, surprised to see something like Wonder Woman also uh, debut on HBO Max. So, guys, now we're at a point where other countries are now... Um, further along in the pandemic, there's no question that they've reached a different level of recovery. That is not what we're dealing with. I don't think we're even dealing with recovery. I think we're just still in in the hell that is COVID-19. Um, that's undeniable. Numbers suggest that. Everybody suggests that. Everything suggests that. So here you had WB deciding we're just going to move forward with debuting this movie in other countries. And then maybe we'll try to put it out in certain select cities that I guess are still opening movie theaters. I don't, I, my, from my account, I thought all the movie theaters were closed. So I'm even confused by that. Um, but nonetheless, that's what's happening with at least Tenet. And I'll be honest, I'm concerned about what that means for other movies that I'm interested in. Not to say I'm not interested in Tenet. I, I did want to see it, but you know, I'm not going to shed a tear if I don't see it this year. Uh, but I'm going to do movies that I, movies I do absolutely want to see, like Wonder Woman and, and Black Widow, that this could happen elsewhere. I mean, we're, are you guys concerned? That other companies will follow suit, uh, and we could have a situation where Wonder Woman or Disney's Black Widow could be released elsewhere before we get to see it. I'll go to Sham first. Um, I mean, I think this is. Um, I mean, I think it's possible. Really, I. Mean, I uh, I mean, look, I mean, everything's on the table, obviously, but I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, considering everything, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's possible. Um. Do I think that is wise? Uh, potentially. I mean, if, if we're just... I don't know exactly what, how streaming translates into profit. So I'm not able to create that kind of business model. Right, right. Um, you know, in terms of what would be best for them or smarter for them. Um, I think in terms of branding, I think just releasing it online would make the most sense in terms of, of first of all, it's going to be pirated like crazy. Um, you know, if you were just release things overseas or in select yeah, cities. Yeah. We talked about this last week. You know, I gave my pitch yeah. that you release it in, in, internationally uh, in theaters and you release it online in America. But I'll let you finish that. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I mean, I mean, if you do something like that, I mean, it's going to be pirated like crazy. Um, you know, you'll have diehards like people, people that would no, normally never pirate something. Yeah. Just pirating. Just going, well, I, I got a pirate because I can't just be behind on everything that's going on. You're saying if you release or it have people internationally, yeah. but you don't release it online. You don't release it online? And yeah. You release, you, it internationally, you release it internationally. Release it internationally. Tell the Americans you got to wait. Yeah. Or tell Americans or you only release it in certain states or certain cities right, or right. whatever. Like make it unaccessible. Unaccessible for most people is gonna be a, a is gonna be a complete catastrophe. Yeah. Just in terms of the releasing and, and right, right. And all that in movie theaters and yes. all that it's gonna be a complete mess. 
So, I mean, I think it would just be better to release it online in that in that perspective. Right. But I know they still have a lot of money to make overseas and overseas theaters. So I don't know whether it will be worth that. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's why that's why I, I don't know if it's possible to release it internationally. Now, I think with a movie like Tenet, I think you can get away with that. I, I think mm-hmm. the spoiler thing isn't as big of a problem to yeah, be talking agree. about Tenet. Of course, people want to see yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big Nolan fan. I can, yeah. wait, I can wait for Tenet. Yeah, <laughs> Tenet is not a movie. Nolan comes with a, a level of a fan base. He comes with people that want to see his movies. But it, it for the most part, it's a brandless movie. Nolan is the right. only brand, but it's not... Yeah. I mean, or I mean, it gets it looks really like in Robert Pattinson. I guess at this point, kind of as a brand, but like we're not talking about Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Fast and Furious, right. where it's like, wow, I've just invested so much energy and time and money into this brand for years, and now I can't see the movie or I gotta wait. Yeah, and then things get start to leak online. Those types of movies you couldn't release internationally. King Kong and Godzilla, I don't think you could release that internationally. At least. It'd be an interesting thing, you know? Right. That's more, I think, murky in the middle ground. Black Widow, Wonder Woman cannot be released internationally and not released uh, nationally mm-hmm. or domestically, rather. It's just, it's not a model. Not unless, like you said, unless you're just fine with piracy. Because piracy is going to be through the roof if you try and pull something like that. Especially if you're releasing countries that that have the movie in English. <laughs> you know, like, right. releasing in the UK, people are gonna watch, just gonna watch the English version. Yeah. And, of course, like, it won't be reviewed by people in America, and there'll be a review embargo, and obviously it's gonna be more of a need-to-know type of thing, but people will be afraid of spoilers. Because now the movie's out. So, if, yeah. if Black Widow's a scroll, or if Doctor Doom's in the post credit scene, that's, that's gonna get released and revealed to the entire world. Uh... Yeah. Months before it's supposed to, months before it's supposed to happen. So, I don't think that that is a plausible thing, especially for Black Widow. Probably Black Widow even more so than Wonder Woman. But I would say for Black Widow and Wonder Woman, not plausible unless you're just fine with piracy. Which to me, again, if you release it legally online for people to watch, you'll get some of those numbers. You're still getting hundreds of thousands, if not millions. I would, I would argue millions. Of people to buy your thing rather than people sitting around and pirating the movie. Right. Because there are still people that, that'll say, I'd rather watch an HD version of the movie. I mean, you could argue if you release it online, it'll be HD. It'll be pirated in HD, which is a fair conversation. But there's still going to be people that say, I'll pay the money. Because what's the point? It's not it's not worth the quote-unquote risk yeah. of doing something illegal just to, just, just to watch a movie. So... I don't know. I mean, we've had this conversation, you know, a billion times on this show because that's that's the way the landscape is now. You know, yeah, I mean, it's the, it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's the biggest story going on in our show. <laughs> like, it, like it's an ever skate is an ever changing landscape, and we have to continue to update what's going on. But it's, yeah. it, but you know, you hate to beat the beat the dead horse, but this thing, these movies should be available. I like I said last week. They've probably missed their. They probably missed the mark in terms of, you know, when they should have released it. These movies, if they really wanted to release it and get a, 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 a perfect release in terms of, uh, generating brand excitement, they would have released them a month or two ago. But they waited 
because they, they wanted to hold out. But now, it's, look, it's over. Like, they, they, we, <laughs> you blame whoever you want to blame, but the, things aren't going to look better, that much better in November. So, right. they're going to, I mean, look, we talked about it last week. Like, if they want to just hold on to these movies till March, you know, they can do that. But, uh, I mean, by the time we get to March, there going to be a lot of people that still, first of all, won't want to go to the movies for their own personal reason. But two, will... There will be a there will be a segment of people that would have seen it now, would have bought it now, whether in theaters or online. That was some guy I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like that was months ago. That movie's old news now. Like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Shamar, I know you weren't here last week. I I, I updated my stance on that. I am now pro um, releasing movies on streaming services. I know I was I would been one of the people that were saying, look, the piracy issues uh, were too much. I thought to allow for online streaming i just thought that those properties and those videos and those movies would eventually make its way on the internet in a way that would be damaging but uh i think we're at a point of no return here right again i don't think that it's feasible and i'm very fascinated to see what the attendance is going to be like for tenant in these select cities i mean again they mentioned new york i i don't i didn't even know the movie theaters were open in new york like i like i'm serious like i mean and now i'll be honest i don't really leave the neighborhood very much though there's a movie there in my neighborhood i don't think i've walked i have walked far but i guess i never walked in that direction to see what's going on at the <laughs> at the theater but to me like the notion that any like nobody's even thinking about going to the movie theaters like I, I that just seems like a crazy idea to me um and, and such a huge risk I, that just is like that is surprising so i'm curious to see how this is going to work out and if indeed we will be actually seeing movies like tenant in new york city movie theaters but I just think we're at a point where it's not it's not feasible to think that people are going to show up in large numbers at movie theaters and whatever contractual agreement you're trying to work out and complete with these theater companies to just fill out the obligation. I don't think it's worth it. I think you'd be better off negotiating with these theater companies individually. That, that I'm, sure they'd be, I'm sure they'd be willing to talk considering they get, they're all getting killed with, with all that's happening, obviously. And uh, you negotiate them individually, and you put your your stuff out on your own platform. I think that that's the that, that's me- that's obvious the way to go. For tenant is going to be putrid whenever it comes out. It, it, I mean, I don't buy. I'm not buying it to come out in theaters. But I, I don't buy that either. I don't think this is. I agree with try, that. that I don't. Think, it, this is not going to happen. Let me make that clear. We're not going to see right. this movie in the U.S. But, that's my take. Yeah, but it, like if they if they do go ahead with this plan. And say, oh, whatever theaters are open, we could play it there. They're making no more than $10 million for opening week. I buy which, that. And that may seem high. I don't even know. But I just can't imagine you're, they're going to get more than $10, $10 million on this movie opening weekend, which is this is a movie that's supposed to make $100 million. Yeah, this is supposed to be one of the biggest movies of the summer. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, I, I, I buy that. Yeah, I don't, ten million. I'll be surprised if it's above ten million. <laughs> I'd be like, wow, there's a lot of people out there. They, I mean, it must be a lot. I mean, of they're, they're not playing in like ninety percent of the city of the country, and then the parts that they are playing in, nobody's going to movie theater. So it's like, right. really, is going to be like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go see Tenant. I, I just don't know that many people. Like, there are gonna be people that want to see it, and they, I, honestly, I think there are gonna be people that are I don't say they're smart, but like they'll that'll understand. Oh, yo, the theater is going to be pretty much empty, so I'm going to go see it anyway. Because right. it's not going to be that many people there. But that's not that's not going to get I'm you also, up to $50 million. And I'm also concerned about this plan for Tenet 
in regards to our own COVID safety, I don't think it's a good idea to be saying, here are the cities that you can see this movie. Because now you're going to have yahoos from all over the place coming to places like New York, coming to places like wherever. And you you may say, oh, but how many people are that going to be? It doesn't really matter how many people. This virus, again, is so... so, Yeah, this virus is so uh, contagious that it doesn't take a lot. It it could take five would be enough to really set off some stuff. So even that plan that they're putting out, I'm like, no, it's got to be all or nothing. I don't think you can do... Here are the certain cities that you can have this kind of thing in. You know what I'm saying? And that mindset in general has always been... um, As we saw last time, we were in that that place. As we've seen with some of the other cities and states that have uh, seen more outbreaks, that, that mindset of, oh, now we're good, we can open things up, it's just not... It's not, and you're not to get into politics, but that's just not a, not a, a, a smart way of going about things. Because once you open things up and people get careless, that's how things get bad again. So I don't know. I mean, tenant, I don't buy. I'm not. I'm not buying this for a second that it's coming out. But if it does, uh, piracy is going to be through the roof. I would see. I would argue piracy is going to be just as bad if you release it online. As well as if you release it internationally and not domestically. Yeah, you're gonna and, have, you're gonna have the pirate you gotta have the piracy dream team working yeah. to get this movie out. And if that's the case, then first of all, good luck cracking down on millions of people watching this movie. But second of all, like you're you're not gonna build any goodwill with any people if you release this thing internationally, not domestically. You're only gonna mm-hmm. antagonize a lot of people in in your your in your your own region. So I think there's a pro. I think I think they're underestimating how many people would would buy into a streaming service, right? That they know is releasing theatrical movies. HBO Max, the like, HBO Max is struggling. You know how many people would buy HBO Max to see Tenet? Like, yeah, people are gonna pirate it, but a lot of people are just gonna buy it. People are just gonna be like, yeah, they're releasing theatrical movies like on the day it comes out, the Thursday night or whatever it comes out. I'll, I'll, yeah, and, yeah, sure. Now, movie <laughs> theaters again would lose their explode. They yeah, their, of course, their heads would their, ex- their heads would explode. But like my thing is, look, it's a health crisis. We're not. I'm not yeah, saying you got to do this is. for every movie exactly. for the rest of time. And I think they're worried. Oh, if you start now. When are you going to stop? My thing is, look, man. When when coronavirus is not a thing, exactly. when, when quarantine quarantining is not a thing, we'll consider taking theatrical movies yep. off of our platform. But in the interim. That's what we have to do. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's, it's to me it's 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 a no brainer at this point. And again, I was one of the people holding back, saying, "I think you guys just try to wait this out as long as we can." I think we've waited long enough, and we know that the situation is just extremely dire, and there's no true end in sight. So it's time to make a big adjustment. I think the big adjustment we'll be putting these out on uh, streaming services. But to answer my own question, I, I am I am concerned because I think that these movie companies are so concerned with the movie revenue and that relationship they have with theaters that I I do have concerns that maybe something like Wonder Woman or Black Widow could appear in, you know, in the UK or in France or in China somewhere before we see it here. And I know know there's a thought, well, well, what about the spoilers? I'm, I'm telling you, I think, again, when we get to, when we start talking about money, a lot of that stuff that we're talking about, like the creative challenges that come with this, a lot of that's going to get thrown out the window when their bottom lines look the way they look right now. 
And, you know, Kevin Feige may feel a certain way, but if, you know, the higher ups of Disney say, look, you're putting out this movie and we're going to get this money. He ain't, he ain't, he's got no choice. He's got to do it. And that's that's the part of it that really concerns me, that Warner Brothers is going, this, going ahead with this tenant plan because I think that it could be uh, a peek into what we see for these other movies. I think that there's no question that it's, it's a possibility. Um, I do want to move on now and talk about some news we got uh, earlier this week. So uh, according to Illuminati, Singer and actress Haley Steinfeld has signed a deal with Marvel to play Kate Bishop in the Disney Plus series Hawkeye. The Bumblebee star has been linked to the project for more than a year now, but both sides were reportedly having trouble reaching a deal because of Steinfeld's commitment to another project with Apple Plus. The Hawkeye show is tentatively scheduled to debut in 2021, though I don't know if anybody thinks that's going to happen considering where everything is with production in Hollywood and everything like that. Kendall, are you on board now with Steinfeld playing Kate Bishop now that it appears closer to being official? Yeah, yeah, I've always been on board with this. You know, we talked about this a while back, and, you know, it was very exciting. Um, Haley Steinfeld obviously was excellent in Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hearing good, good things about Dickinson. Yes, obviously, you know, it seems the whole Apple TV thing has gotten squared away. Um, and look, I mean, she was also good in Spider-Verse as a voice actor. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, look, I think that this makes sense. You know, I think in terms of, in terms of like the level of actress they're going, that, that they should go for. I mean, this is one of the bigger names you can get, uh, for the age range that, to play someone like Kate Bishop. So no, I mean, I think this is a good casting, assuming it's, assuming the reporting is true. Which oh, look, right. we're not oh, right. Illuminati. I, I don't know, but we'll see. Hopefully, uh, sure. Oh, yeah. Illuminati's well, got they've gotten some. They've gotten some scoops. Not like the new generation. Now this isn't like podcast network has no problem. Yeah, I have no, no, no beef with Illuminati. Now what I will say is like, <laughs> look, now this is one of those reports. I'm not gonna say it's a we got discovery situation, but this is one of those reports where it's like, you know, this is this is kind of old news. So it's like if you're right, well, then, well to be fair, hey, I mean, while you say it's old news, I mean. We, we, you know, we have no idea. We had no idea what the situation was at Steinfeld. We knew that she had been linked to the project, and right. she had been very coy every time she was asked about it about what was going to happen with it. And she kind of said, "I don't know. I just know I'm working with Apple on this thing." It's and even of, even the reporting behind the scenes was this Apple project has seems to be something that's in the <laughs> way with this Marvel deal. So I, while we could say, "Okay, this is an easy one to, to drop," I mean, maybe I they didn't officially get some. Pin the paper until recently. This is my this is my EJ movie. I'll give them full. I'll, I'll eat full crow and give them full credit next week or the week after if the if the story is confirmed in the next two weeks. All right, it's not I... in the next two weeks. Then I'm gonna say, look, man, they got lucky. Yeah, we're getting they, that they crow had a ready. Good, uh, they had a good scoop. Getting that, I guess. We're getting all that crow ready. Getting... But yeah, I'm gonna say it here now. <laughs> wow, all right. I'm gonna say it here now. Uh, Catherine Langford is going to appear in an MCU movie in the future. Sources are telling me. Are you suggesting that people with no sources are just guessing certain things are going to happen so that they could get quote-unquote scoops? I'm not saying it's ever happened before, man. I'm telling you, we got this covered. That's their, that's their thing. Look, shout-out to, shout to, uh, shout to Braxton Timberlake and shout-out to the Illuminati. Um, 
I have, Shout out to the Lumineers. I have no nothing. <laughs> I do not co-sign anything Kendall saying about your reporting <laughs> on this story. Um, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I'm just saying I'm not attributing that to you guys at all. Um, Shan, what do you uh, make of the the Hawkeye news with uh, Haley apparently signing on board? I'm happy with it. I liked Haley Stein Haley um, Steinfeld in um, in Bumblebee. I mean, I've heard very good things about her show Dickinson on Apple TV Plus. I've heard she's like the fantastic in the show. So I mean, I think it's a good get. She's a uh, definitely a big talent. Um, you know, very talented actress, very bright future. Um, and I think this kind of role could definitely, definitely help her take off even more. Um, you know, I, I could definitely see someone like her acting alongside Jeremy Renner, and I could see there being a lot of chemistry there. I'm a fan. I think this is a very, very good get for Marvel. Jeremy Renner's still in this. <laughs> well, all right, we'll get it. We'll get. I mean, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, no, yeah, he'll definitely um, almost certainly be in it. Yeah, you know, unless some, you know, more, some more happens. Who knows? But, um, but yeah, I think this is just good news all around. So I, I'm definitely a fan of this. Yeah, I am too. I mean, you know, Haley, I think by almost all accounts, is kind of the next one when it comes to young female actresses. She's certainly been a, a name that pops up for almost every major role that comes up now. Um, this has obviously been the one that's been talked about for the longest time because we knew that, A, there was a, originally a campaign for her to take the role, and then when it was word that Marvel was indeed eyeing her, that even took off even more. Um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for this. I, I like that. Um, I think this does a great job of bringing people who may have seen, oh, Hawkeye, eh, do I really need to watch that? And it's not anything against Renner, but I think in, it's maybe kind of Marvel's fault. They, they kind of have made Hawkeye kind of a punchline in many ways. It's not with anything they've necessarily done, but it's almost more what they haven't done. Like, they, they really... They haven't really given Hawkeye an arc or a story. Uh, I like his Ronin arc, but that was so late in the game. That I think he can't really escape the early Hawkeye stuff that we saw, which was, you know, his cameo in, in uh, Thor. And, of course, he had the, the what he was handling in Avengers was not the greatest look for him as a mindless, you know, a mindless, you know, pawn with Loki. So I think... You know, when you look at that project, people may say, oh, Hawkeye, uh, the weakest Avenger. Do I really need to pay attention to that? I'll, I'll, maybe I'll skip that one. But then you had someone like Haley Seinfeld. While I'm not, I can't say that the person, that person I just described would maybe watch. I do think that maybe you're bringing people who maybe wouldn't watch it because maybe they're not really into Marvel that much or, um, or whatever. They may now take another look because Haley is becoming such a big star. Uh, and a crossover star, not just with like obviously with uh with with acting, but also with music. So this seems like a, a great idea. We also know that the plan is to have these movies tie in, these shows rather tie into the movies. And I would assume a, a character like Kate Bishop is absolutely going to be uh, a part of the fold for the MCU moving forward. So having a, a big name actress play uh, a character who is. Becoming more well-known, but it's still relatively new, and I think people are still becoming familiar with Kate Bishop, also is a big get. Because, again, what we've seen from the Marvel um, blueprint in the blueprint in the past is with lesser-known characters, they've tried to lean on bigger stars. They've been willing to take more risks with the bigger 
characters because the bigger characters come with a certain level of cachet where who's under the mask or who's holding the shield or who's in the in the armor doesn't matter as much as long as they're great you know their their star power might not matter as much when it comes to some of the other characters like we talk about all the time with the guardians of the galaxy having those names did matter because that's what brings the attention to these characters people who make you're you're, you're saying oh uh you know you know the guy from parts of wreck is playing this superhero who is star lord you know what i'm saying um, oh, that rest the wrestler, rest of fans. Oh, Batista's playing a superhero. Who's Drax? You know, like that. All those uh, those those names make sense, and, and and it helps bring attention. So, Kate Bishop um, being played by Haley Steinfeld will that'll bring more attention to this show. And eventually, when Kate Bishop is in either the Young Avengers or the regular Avengers, or however they include her in the MCU, now you got Haley Steinfeld starring in another movie, and that adds more star power to that movie. Where maybe she's not the main character, maybe she's a side character or one of the main cast. It, it all makes sense. So this this always made sense. I I thought that they would find a way to make this happen. I kind of think that maybe COVID actually helped this happen because I bet you because of some of the the, the problems with production on I'm sure her her Apple project she probably can't really do much. So it's like well I'm not gonna pass up money you know that's guaranteed. So I think that might be what that might even be why we we have this deal allegedly done or reportedly done i'll say not allegedly but <laughs> yeah i mean it's uh it's also funny because i was thinking i was like who who is somebody in the same kind of demographic that's that's bigger than Haley steinfeld at this stage and the only person that came to mind was millie bobby brown and i was like remember she was supposed to be in eternals that was at least that was yeah. that was the reporting which was uh turned out to be incorrect but um that that would that see always seemed kind of small potatoes. Now again, maybe it's a Guardians of the Galaxy situation. Well, I would say Zendaya, who's also sense. in Marvel too, would be the other person. What happened? I would say Zendaya is also in that class, and but she's also yeah. part of Marvel. They got her signed. Yeah, she's already yeah she's already in the fold. That's fair. Right. Um, and she's they're, they're more probably comparable because really Bobby, Bobby Brown so much younger, and Zendaya and Haley are both twenty three years old. Right. right, um, but yeah, I mean, the, but but what I was gonna say was that we look at Millie Bobby Brown. I, I think the next thing if we're talking about again trying to get people into the MCU. Um, we've talked about this with multiple different people. I think about there are plenty of X Men characters so that that she could play. Mm. So could be yeah. that could be uh, in her future. Maybe Shadowcat. Mm. We'll see. Yeah, that, that, that very well could see. But shout out to. Uh... To Haley and shout out to uh, Marvel for allegedly getting this deal done. Another, we have another Marvel story. This one uh, not as good, definitely more disturbing. Not as good, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not as good. Um, former head of Marvel Entertainment Jeff Loeb is facing some disturbing allegations of racism against Asians uh, during a Save Daredevil recent uh, recent panel. Um, the Daredevil actor Peter Shinkoda who played Nobu in Daredevil, says Loeb opposed more character development for his role and Wai Ching Ho's role as Madame Gao because, quote, nobody cares about Chinese people and Asian people, said Jeff Loeb. There were three previous Marvel movies, a trilogy called Blade, that was made where Wesley Snipes killed 200 Asians each movie. Nobody gave a S, uh, so don't write about it. Uh, Nobu or Gao was allegedly what he told um, 
showrunners and writers during a meeting. So that's obviously very disturbing language and very disturbing rhetoric coming from Loeb, allegedly. Their uh, Daredevil actor Tommy Walker then insinuated that season the season two showrunner of Daredevil pitched uh, an Iron Fist that would be mixed race, but that that idea was rejected. And then you had comic book writer Alejandro Arbano, who tweeted, quote, Jeff Loeb used to come to our Marvel creative retreats and he'd say the cruelest, pettiest things to people, even people way below his station, with his devilish grin as if he was such a cute little stinker. Turns out he's racist. Oh, wow. What a surprise, he says sarcastically. So these are obviously very damning um comments about Jeff Loeb that have been coming out in the last 24 hours and it started with um, Shinkoda and it wouldn't be the and I'll be honest this isn't the first time Loeb has faced some heat for his personality but I never 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 this much on the record it's always been kind of whispers always been kind of insinuated Mm -hmm. but you know we, we know what Jeff Loeb has meant to this culture we know his contribution and, you know, unfortunately, when it comes to these big figures, a lot of times that overshadows uh, and, those allegations. And sometimes those allegations don't really come out in a more official way, the way Shinkoda laid it out, because of that person's contribution. What are you going to say, Kendall? Yeah. First of all, if you watch, if you watch the video, man, Shinkoda, he even he had trouble even getting it out. Because <laughs> he probably, I mean, he knew. He knew what he was doing was he was very dangerous, he knew very dangerous very position he was putting himself in. You know, and you knew it, how sensitive they were. But it shows you, if you watch the video, you're like, this is real. Like, he's not making this up. But like Shamari, we're laughing because Shamari showed me a picture of Loeb at Comic-Con when he's past years. And he's dressed in this, what do you want, a martial like, arts yeah, guard? Martial arts karate. Yeah, yeah, he, looks yeah. Like the, he looks like the karate kid. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. certainly yeah, not. Yeah, this, this, was at, this was at the Iron Fist panel. He showed up in a gi with a, with a white tie uh uh you know headband white headband yeah uh, he, he looks it looks it's bad it's bad apparently um shout out to jessica henwick apparently she had actually kind of like ribbed him about it at the panel which was i guess good that that happened oh, okay but um but i didn't i didn't even know that that happened until today i was watching this and i'm like this looks terrible <laughs> this is yeah. like this is like when you know like uh when Pusha T, you know, put the blackface image of Drake out there, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah, just I like, know. I didn't know this ever happened. How did yeah, how we knowing this just now? Now, <laughs> the thing I will say about the lobe the lobe situation from a uh, from a Marvel hierarchy standpoint is we think about all right. So who is who who Jeff Loeb? Who did he used to report to? Because that's always the thing. It's like, oh, if you're at the top of the chain, the food chain, you you got to report to somebody. And if that's the person, if you're that bad, then the person you're reporting to has got to be pretty bad, reportedly, allegedly, quote unquote. Well, back in the day when Jeff Lowe was in his prime at Marvel, he reported to Ike Perlmutter, who obviously we know Ike Perlmutter, allegedly not the greatest person as well. Has his own issues with race, has his own issues with a lot of things. Um, so. It's not. It's not a surprise. Um, and it doesn't mean that everyone that worked at Marvel Entertainment, Marvel Television, is they're all scumbags. That's not necessarily the case. <laughs> but it is certainly not the biggest shock. So uh-huh. I will say that. Um, 
I mean, look, the Daredevil thing. First of all, it I want I believe it not only because of Shinkoda's the the sincereness in his tone, but also if you watch Daredevil and we've all we all reviewed it. I mean, I'm sure you yeah, can pull up the tapes. Like Nobu's character had no backstory. And I, mean, kinda, I think I think every single person who could have watched Daredevil, people who loved it, people who hated it, would all say the same thing that. Nobu's lack of character development was blatant and obvious. Oh, the weakness. Yeah. So, so it, it's not, it's not like I'm. What? There's no way. I mean, he gave Nobu all this story. What are you talking about? It's like no. So, in that regard, I, I believe it in that sense. Um, now, now when you you peel back the reasoning for it, again, just awful, grotesque. You know, I look. I think the Iron Fist thing is something that. I mean, I, I, we talked about it back in the day. I wanted an Asian Iron Fist. You know, you guys weren't as high on that. So I, now, obviously, when you put it in context, you know, with all the other stuff with Jeff Loeb, you're like, why don't you want an Asian Iron Fist now? That's, yeah. a, that's a different conversation. Uh, it's very, di- it's very disturbing that that's oh, yeah, the reason. Jeff Loeb. But, you know, but on the surface, I'm not going to say because he didn't want to mix racial Iron Fist, he's, he's racist. But the other, the other aspects of it is just awful. And look, Jeff Lowe—he's not really doing anything at this point, right? He's out. I mean, he—he he was let go. That the term I saw was he was released by Marvel or Disney. So I guess he's a free right, agent not, right now. I mean, he's so Jeff Lowe, so he's gonna find work doing something. Right. right and I mean, whatever. Jeff Lowe, do I'm not saying he doesn't need work. He doesn't need a job. But in terms of his his association with Marvel, he's out. My so, understanding is yes, he no longer works at Marvel. I said when I read so, the story today was that he was released. Sound I mean, like, it's it sound like a, a waiver move made in the NBA. Yeah, no, <laughs> right. He, it, it's, it's an interesting story when you look back on it. I mean, again, the Iron Fist thing is something I pitched, so I'm glad someone else saw saw the uh, mm-hmm. saw the, the the same vision. But I mean, it's it's interesting, but it doesn't have any effect. If he was still in, on, in, if he was still in charge at Marvel, this would be a much bigger story. He'd mm-hmm. have to be out there. I mean, Sham, uh, Sham Shinkoda said that uh, the the writers uh, were like apologetic to him because he they said yes. they felt like their hands were tied, that they couldn't do anything of value with his role because of Loeb. I mean, that's extremely disturbing. Yeah, it's, this is this is, I mean, this and yeah, you know, you always hate to hear about stuff like this. Obviously, of course, um, yeah. Because I mean, that's the thing too. I'm glad you say that, Sham, real quickly. Because yeah. there are there's a f- a fraction of people out there who who say like, oh, like you, you know, so many people out here they love to see to, to throw racism in everybody's faces, and they always want to talk about negative racism things. Like, no, that's the exact opposite. <laughs> no person of color enjoys talking about this kind of thing. And I'm glad I'm glad you said that because yeah, yeah, this is very. I don't have fun talking about this. I love the production stuff that Jeff Loeb has has put out there that I've consumed my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I was, you know, I, and you're right. I mean, we had been kind of heard whispers before of you know Jeff Loeb maybe not being such a great guy, and so I was like, look, hopefully he's not true. Hopefully, it's stuff that's just kind of you know blown out of proportion. You know, but I mean, this is these are these are. Um, these are some very bad, um, very bad allegations. It's, I don't know, it's just, it's definitely just something you never want to hear about. 
Um, and what has Jeff Loeb? He hasn't come out and said anything about this, right? Because I know this is very recent. He really doesn't. I don't think he doesn't have to. Like for his own for his own character, hopefully he would yeah, say something. Image, but like he period. doesn't. You know, like he just, he's a free agent, so he doesn't really have to say anything. Right. It's not like it's not, not, yeah, it's not like somebody's like you know going to be like, hey man, like we're getting hammered here. We need you to get out there, make a statement, yeah. or we're gonna have to get rid of you. Yeah. You know? He's kind of on his own he's anyway. Not to say anything. Right. Yeah, um, just... Unless he's got a really good story though, which I don't believe he does. I'll be honest, but. <laughs> Yeah, the only, I mean, the story to tell he would have would just be that, hey, man, some jokes I made in jest were taken very literally, and I apologize that people, uh, you know, took my jokes and were harmed by it. That's, 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 that's what he's going to say. That's, that's the play. That's yeah. absolutely what he's going to say. And I, just the truth to it, again, I can't speak to, but it is, it is alarming <laughs> that, again, it's so it's so indisputable, like like that, like Nobu character's treatment, like it's indisputable. Again, yeah, there are people right. who love Daredevil. There are people, and I know we're in a uh, we're we're in a niche kind of um, community here, so we just think who doesn't like Daredevil. But there are people I know who don't like Daredevil, um, and whether it's those people or the people that love Daredevil, everyone says the same thing, man. So yo, the hand was whack. And yeah, Nobu's treatment was whack. Wish they we had better right. stuff on them. Right, like Nobu's treatment was whack. Like they didn't do anything with them. Like and it didn't make sense. And I complained about it on the show. I'm like, yo, man, the hand is supposed to be like, like you're supposed to be scared as ish when they show up. <laughs> like, like they were the Foot Clan. Right, and they they they're the League of Assassins. Like that's supposed to be <laughs> their like like the idea that they. That they, that they became more like the Foot Clan and not like the League of Assassins that DC is. Like, that's what made this whole thing so disturbing. And then when you hear, you know, uh, again, shout out to Shinkoda for having that um, courage to come forward and, and explain this. When you hear that, you know, yeah, man, the writer is telling me, I wish we could do more. Yeah, we had low. a dope story for your character, but... Loeb said no one cares about Asians. That's, I mean, that's But yo, man, like that's honestly though, I'm glad he mentioned this because that's America. <laughs> like, like that little that this I know that people say, well, how could you say that? Look, that is a microcosm of what we've seen in our entire country. Like, that's, yeah, we yeah we just lost connection. With EJ, uh, I'm I'm back. I'm EJ, go over that again. Sorry, you guys got me now. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, we got you now. Yeah, I don't know what just happened there. But no, what I was saying was, like, that's America. Like, like this whole this whole situation with him saying that the writers are telling him, hey, man, we want to do something, but our boss doesn't like Asians. Like, that's America. Like, the notion that our, um, our I, I guess, hatred, or, or at the very least, our ignorance, can get also get in the way of... Uh, quality production is very much an issue. It's why we have so many um, properties that get marginalized that then go to other places and then get um, go up to next to, to, to new levels and reach new heights. And you say, "Well, how did this happen?" It's like, well, we we see with black culture all the time. Maybe you should have gave black culture <laughs> way more of a chance. And we've seen that with Asian culture just tenfold. I mean, like again. The lack of Asian representation on television and in movies is despicable, and 
the idea that you have TV producers with this kind of mindset that nobody cares about Asians, we can kill Asians and nobody cares. Like that's, first of all, that's just sad. That's just a sad statement. Even if that's a joke, that's a really sad joke. I don't know how somebody says that and doesn't say, man, this effed up. Maybe I should try to change that. If that's how you feel. If that's how you feel about what we took from the Blade movies, which is also, again, you know, we go through the, through the minds of some of these people. Who thinks about the Blade movies and thinks, man, he killed a lot of Asians? I've never thought, I've never made that thought, ever. Yeah, I've watched all the Blade movies, and, like, that was never my mindset was, wow, look at all these Asians getting killed. I don't give a F about them. Yeah, right. Never, like, that... Yeah. Yeah. And and, one, and that's a microcosm of America, guys. There's a lot of people that are thinking with that kind of um, mindset, and it's setting us back, and it set back this show. Like it's like you. I, I mean, I love Daredevil, man. That's one of my favorite series probably ever. And <laughs> the one major blemish to see that it was it was it's, it's there because of racism, like. It's it's it makes me sick to my stomach. I don't know how it can't make anyone else disturbed. It's highly disturbing to me. Yeah, I mean, it's this is really really bad stuff. Um, it's so it's so it's such a shame because I mean we're I'm sure we're all fans of Jeff Loeb. Absolutely, content. this guy made Long ha- uh, Long Halloween. I mean, come on, Long Halloween. Yeah, fans. We're all fans of Jeff Loeb content. We are all. I mean, I thought he did a wonderful job hosting the p- different panels that we went to. Absolutely, yeah, he he can be uh, entertaining. He's definitely entertaining. He's a, uh, obviously a fan of all the all these comic book characters and and all that. But I mean, this you know, this is a situation where it's like, look, just the character. You have to just, I mean, your, your character obviously means a lot, and. You know, it's like you you can't just be. Ah, you gotta yeah, be. You gotta you trust gotta, the writers. You gotta, first of all. Yeah, yeah. The writer telling you you have a great story, and you're like, I don't like it because no one cares about Asians. Like that's I mean, just like that's the, like a business mindset of just like you're just completely thinking about dollar signs and ratings, and not like what's good quality. It's crazy, <laughs> guys. It's like, even, if, even if his assertion was quote unquote right, like that's just like so you're gonna pass up the what is. Your writers who are writing the story for you telling you the better better story because people don't care about Asians. And then we think about the fact that that's obviously again a racist comment. You're just like, wow. So he tanked. I mean, he didn't tank the show, but he tanked an aspect of the show because of that. And to even it's, have that, even to have that quote unquote realization, and not think maybe I should change that. Like that that a lot. That's also very disturbing. It's like here's this. Again, an idea. First of all, the idea is ridiculous. Like, of course we we as we care about Asians. Like that's like I don't even know how to like. Come on, like yes, it's, it's not really even a, like a right. It's, it's a it's a crazy statement to even make because again, nobody's sitting there watching these Blade movies being like, yeah, and man, they, they got I all of Asians. It's good for him. Nobody I, I thinks that. The writers a little bit. I look at the writers a little bit. And I say, look again. I don't know who these writers are. I don't know the situations exactly, terms of contracts and things of that nature. But like. You couldn't fight him on that? But here's the thing, though, Kendall. Here's what I wanted to say on that. I'm glad you brought that up because I almost forgot my point. Like, I don't know if you guys got to listen to a lot of the uh, Watchmen podcasts, but I believe in the last one, I think this was on the Watchmen podcast, on the last one, um, Lindelof, Damon Lindelof, who was a showrunner on Watchmen, spoke about the writing room's 
how they worked in their process. And particularly as a white man, because obviously he wrote this show that was extremely, extremely tied towards our country's original sin of racism and white supremacy. And and how he knew, as good intention as he may be, that he needed to have paid very close attention and, and listened to in great detail the ideas of his writers. And and there were so many ideas he threw out that he said got just clobbered by his own writers because they had a understanding and a um an experience to speak to that enlightened him. And he said he leaned on them way more than people realize. I know we always come on the show, everyone who talks about that show gives Lindelof a ton of credit and he deserves a ton of credit. But what also makes a good showrunner isn't just always doing your ideas. It's also leaning on your team. It's just like, you know, the football coach, you know, right. who's he, like sometimes, yeah, you got to lean on the defensive coordinator who says, hey, I think we should blitz here. Or the offensive coordinator says, hey, I think a trick play might work here. Like it can't, you know, like or the running back coach says, yo, I think that, uh, you know, the second t- string guy has been running this play really well. Maybe you should put him in on this play. and He can make a big play. Like all these all these various people on your staff have value and they're there for a reason. And they're there because it can't just be and I, uh, you know, pleasing an audience of one. Like the writers almost represent the fans in a sense because they're all they're They're trying to look at what makes the best story as a whole. They're not just thinking from their own individual mind. They're a collective. And the idea that I saw, I, when I heard Damon talk about that, my respect for him, him grew even larger than it already was. I was like, wow. One, here's him who's been taking all this credit for weeks saying, hey, like we really need to shout out this writer's room, which was amazing. And him explaining how so much of the show was from his writer's room and so many ideas that he wanted didn't even get on the show because his writer's explain why certain aspect wouldn't work. And it wasn't all on race. Some of it was just maybe just regular story stuff. But how they really helped make the show as superb as it was. And then to see on the flip side, here is this show, which was still outstanding. I love Daredevil. But to see how this showrunner, or not the showrunner, but this executive producer is running this show and how he treats his writers and how he he he, he pushes back against his writers who tell him, Hey, this is what's going to be best for a story, and he pushes them back with more racism. <laughs> like he's writing a show that 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 touches on a lot of Asian culture and a lot of Asian themes. I don't know if it, the writing room was all white. I, I don't know the demographic, but I'm sure there were people, maybe just younger people, who just said, "Hey, like here, you know, this is, makes more sense," or maybe just people who just like good shows. Again, because the noble stuff was a detriment to Daredevil. Who said, hey, this would be the yeah, best way to write it. And the idea that one. he pushed, not only pushed back on them, but pushed back on with racism is, it's again, I don't know what I'll say other than it's very disappointing. They they didn't come to him on some, like, thing of, yeah, maybe we should give Nobu more a character, right. bring more Asian. And, like, even then, like, his joke would make, I, I, it would still be racist, but it would make more sense of why he would even say that. Than to be like, yeah, we're going to give this guy more character because... He's kind of just there, but we really don't know why, and you know we really don't know much about him. Maybe we should add a little bit of a backstory so people can get a, a better feel for the character. And you come in, and you say, "Nah, no one cares about Asian people." It's like, what? <laughs> do you not? Do you not like? Do you not like your money? Do you not like, like, you know, making good properties, even beyond your own internal thing? And Kendall asked earlier. So and Kendall asked earlier, you know, what his story to tell was, and I explained it what it was. 
But the follow-up question to that would be, okay, well then, why was Nobu so poorly developed? Because that's that to me is going to be the situation. Like, okay, you may say this is a joke, but these people, because of your joke, did not develop this character on purpose. They're saying they didn't develop him on purpose. So, what do you have to say to that? Like, look, I mean, I think he would say Daredevil is a great show, and. You know that's a, that's a deflection. That's an extremely but. disappointing answer. That's he, look, it's, it's Jeff Lowe. I'm, I want smoke. You give me if I'm asking you that question, you give me that answer. It ain't cutting it. I'm telling you right now, that ain't happening. Now you can go to some I, other outlet that may let you get off whatever you got to get off, but that answer ain't working here. If that was the question I asked, just to put that out there, now, yeah, that would be I, ridiculous. I, Long story short, that's what he would say. You know, he'll probably he'd word it in a way that he tried to make it seem like, look, I mean, there are some people, I guess, that didn't like that aspect of the show, but I think overall, the writers' room, we we did a good job of collaborating on a lot of different ideas that a lot of people liked, and you know, you have a way to filibuster and <laughs> spin it in a way where it's like, oh well, I mean, that you didn't answer my question, but uh, at least if he was media trained, which I would imagine Jeff. Oh, Jeff Zob is extremely media trained. I mean, he's a <laughs> He's a, he's a, you know, he should, he should change that white belt on his head to a black belt when it comes to media training, because that's what he, he has when it comes to media training, a black belt. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. I love how they said that, I love how they said the season two showrunner of uh, Iron Fist and not uh, our guy Scott Buck. Well, I, I believe that there was, it was a season two showrunner of Daredevil who had pitched this idea, not the season two showrunner of, of what's name. Oh, I, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I guess. Still not Scott Buck. But. Yeah, it's still not Scott Buck, obviously, but but yeah. Yeah, the Iron Fist thing <laughs> is like, the Iron Fist thing, like, you know, I, I, you know I've been on the show saying, look, like, I have stance. I thought that I was 100% fine and looking forward to, I was totally fine with, you know, a white Iron Fist. I, I had zero issue with it. It's what's in the canon. I think that there is definitely story and creative um angles to be explored with a white man who's involved with all this Asian culture that I don't think is just like nothing. I understand that of course that there is an issue with Asian representation, but as I think I felt at the time, I still feel, as long as you continue to represent that culture and Asians uh have a prominent you know role in the series that it didn't mean that this couldn't work. Um that's still how I feel because I'm not someone who just feels like we should just be just changing genders for the sake of changing genders. At the same time, again, the, the reasoning why potentially there wasn't an Iron Fist because the guy who's making, or Asian Iron Fist rather, is it because the guy who's making decisions and thinks that people don't care about Asians, well, that's not at all what I agree with. And I don't think that's what Sham agrees with either. Like, there's no, <laughs> that's, that's n- nowhere near our thought process on why we were for Danny Rand being a white character. And that's. That's kind of what sucks about this, and it kind of is kind of what sucks about all these kind of like very important social conversations. Is I feel like, in sometimes you could have a point of a point of view that to some may not look as progressive as maybe you would hope. Um, the problem becomes sometimes when you take that point of view. I don't think I emboldened you know people who are racist, but you do kind of almost like. I don't, I don't want to say even give credence, but, like, it bolsters that stance, you know, that stance of, yes, we're not going to put Asians on screen. And even though that's not what you want. So I sit here reading this article and reading this story kind of feeling conflicted 
Cause I don't, I don't. It doesn't change how I feel. Um, but it is kind of like wow. Like I, there are a lot of people who were saying the same thing I was saying. We weren't the only ones making the point that look, Danny Rand can be white. It's not a big deal. It'll be fine. Uh, but when you see there's so many other people who think in these more regressive ways, it's just like it, it leaves you like man. Like it's certainly. It's, it's, it's just a, a very upsetting thing, is what I'll say. Yeah, somebody strongly, strongly pitched the Asian, the Asian Danny Rand thing. It was, it's definitely frustrating to read that. It and, is, man. you know, see, like, man, you know, you kind of feel like you make some good points on it, and then it, the reason they like, and again, you guys made good counter arguments on for why that shouldn't be a thing, and for it to be like the worst counter argument possible. Yeah, it's like, man. That's I why you didn't want to do it. Not, not for all the good reasons you guys mentioned, but because of that. Yeah, and it's like yeah. I, I like I shot I probably shot Jeff Lowe so much bail during that 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 year of conversation. It's like yeah. it was all for nothing. Like he went out, he took that bail, and then and then committed more and then committed more crimes. <laughs> it was like, oh, I just let you out, fam. What are you doing? Your probation barely set in, and you out here again, off your bail, was, going going crazy. This guy's. Is the same guy that for years worked under a man that said that people wouldn't notice that uh, 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 what you call it Don Cheadle replaced Terrence Howard because all black people look the same. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same energy. Was the, the birds it's, fly? Birds of the same feather. Whatever that saying is, you yeah. know, it's fly you know, together. Yeah, exactly. and it's. It's. It, I still don't look personally. I, I still don't think. I don't know if that was like. I, I don't remember if the the Perlmutter thing was on the record about Don Cheadle, but if it was, man, I, I don't know how he's still like. I mean, he doesn't have a job, but like, how like he hasn't been like just completely. Yeah, I know. I feel like people are like. I don't say they're protecting him, but for whatever reason, oh, I think man, people are just. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately okay. Again, this is America, and. You're powerful, a uh, Caucasian man very with a lot of money, powerful. a lot of influence. It's very easy to be protected. It's it's why you saw. Um, again, I want to re- definitely, definitely, once again, shout out um, Shinkoda for having this courage because you saw, as you said, how nervous he was to even say this thing. And yeah, like, and, okay, and, the Illuminati. Yeah, and, like, and, and you know, Jeff Lowe, you're on, like, very powerful like, man. Interview. <laughs> Yeah, and he looked like he thought the hand was watching. <laughs> yeah, he looked like Nobu was behind him with a sword. Right, Which, that's, that's how nervous he was. You know, like like yeah. like. Credit to the other people that came in with their own stories to corroborate. Right. What was a very explosive allegation? It didn't corroborate saying that they were there or they they said it, but to add more context to the to the conversation, so. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely, I would say, while it was a negative story in the sense that you never want to hear these kinds of things, you hope none of these things happen or they exist, although we know it's a reality, it's a positive that, look, we do know that these kinds of things are a reality in Hollywood, and it it is good to uh, have them aired out, you know, so it's not like some secret, you know, Mm -hmm. because these are things that we should know. Hopefully, we can avoid in the future. Hopefully, hopefully we go out and we support Shang-Chi. So Definitely, everybody go out and support Shang Chi, man. At Marvel yeah. now, I think Kevin Feige knows that there's, um, that people do care about Asian people and yep. they're the market. But Shang Chi, Mortal Kombat, all these. Drugs. Yeah, Mortal Kombat, and hopefully, look, yeah. hopefully we get Amadeus Cho. 
in the future, hopefully get Jubilee in the no, future. No, no, I get... think that Danny Rand has a future in the MCU Black as well. Year. Yeah, and I, I think Black. Danny Rand uh, has a future in the MCU as well. I think that I think now he has to be Asian. We don't. What was that? What? Oh, like Finn Jones? No, Finn Jones is done. I'm just. I'm saying. I have a hot take. I, yeah. hot take. I think Charlie Cox is gonna be Daredevil in the MCU, and the only reason he's not confirming it is because they don't have the rights yet. I think so too. I there was some. I saw. I, I saw. I saw, I saw a room. I saw a wild rumor on the internet. It didn't look anything to be real, so I'm like, it, I feel weird even bringing it up. But I did see a rumor out there saying that you know, whenever they do Punisher again, that Cox is gonna show up as Daredevil. Um, I feel like I'm seeing more smoke about Cox and being Daredevil. Like it, seeing too many things that makes it look like this is what's gonna happen. I agree with you on that. I, I don't know about anybody else from the from the Marvel. You know Netflix tree, but I think that him for sure. I think that he will be back as Daredevil. Yeah, it's too clean of a. It was too clean of an ending. Like they don't have to really blow anything up. Luke Cage is gonna be tough. Luke Cage don't have to blow anything up either. But there, they had a great story in the Marshall Ali thing. Kind of is a little wonky how that works, but because um, he's Blade, obviously. But um, but no, Daredevil is gonna be Daredevil and Burnsall Punisher are the two obvious ones. That could cross over. The only reason Burnthal wouldn't cross over is if they feel like he's a better fit for another role. I know we keep, I, we, I know we keep talking about like um, I know we keep talking about trying to create a you know a new world to include the mutants and include the Fantastic Four, and that maybe involving some kind of multiverse or multi-dimensional event. Have we ever considered that whenever they do that, they may find a way to kind of retcon a lot of the Netflix stuff to include those characters. Like, we've never had that discussion, but I wonder if like, that could be... Kind of, yeah. Do kind of like the, the... Almost like a Flashpoint kind of thing, where it's like... Right. Certain things changed. Yeah. Reality, all of a sudden, Cottonmouth is a... <laughs> never he's, happened. He's alive. You know, oh, yeah, all right, he's never happened, right? Because he wouldn't, he wouldn't be alive. <laughs> I mean, it's but. still kind of making... I mean, I wouldn't say it's making that other stuff necessary, but I mean, it depends on how much they want to focus on that, on that part of the story. If you say it's it's non-canon, then it gets in theory it's not necessary. I guess you just want a context. I guess the the reason why the non-con the non-canon thing is kind of like tough is because then you get to say, okay, well, do you guys see an origin story again? Because like the one thing about those Netflix shows is they they did an amazing job of like really, I mean, besides Iron Fist, obviously. Um, they did an amazing job of like you know introducing to these characters and giving you a full a full picture of how these people become the heroes they eventually become, and it's like okay if you're gonna make that non-canon, how much do I assume of their original story is true? That's or yeah, if it's not true, am I starting all over again? Do I need to start all over again? Like that's you know I don't want to deal with that either. Yeah, I wouldn't start over. I don't know. I would just make it clear there are certain changes, but for the most part, things are the same. But there are certain things that they feel like they certain things that from a creative standpoint they don't want to touch. I.e. a lot of things in Iron Fist, i.e. Cottonmouth. Right. Being Mike Shalali. <laughs> <laughs> but then but it, from a story standpoint, certain things that change, but from a lot a lot of things are still the same. Also from a story thing like, you know, or from a creative thing like Luke Cage like being evil at the end of or, or, at the end of Luke Cage season two or whatever. But 
Oh, I don't know. It should be interesting, though. Yeah. Um, whatever the future of Marvel television holds, it's kind of up in the air right now under Kevin Feige. Yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, but let's uh, let's move on now. Last story of the day before we do the episode recaps. So a clip unveiled earlier this week uh, uh, revealed the the much hallowed appearance of Henry Cavill's black suit Superman in the Zack Snyder uh, cut of Justice League, which right now is being titled um, Zack Snyder Justice League. That is a title that Jack Snyder, who was speaking at a Justice Con event uh, this weekend that we talked about earlier, had said they are working on. It's the, the, the title that they like, though I think he said that there was some kind of legal issue they're still trying to work out in terms of the official title for the movie. Um, he also revealed that the official formatting of the project, and that formatting being whether it's going to be a multi-part series or a full four-plus-hour movie, is still being worked out. But that a trailer will be unveiled, um, and that formatting will be announced, rather, on that same uh, DC con DC fandom event on August twenty second. So to be clear, I kind of want to fumble that intro a little bit. Um, whether this movie, whether this is a movie, or whether like, this is uh, Dalvin Cook. <laughs> uh, man, it's long, long, long day, Kendall. Um, whether this is a movie or whether this is a series will be um, revealed on. The DC fandom event. When I say series, I mean again a multi-series event, and also we'll be seeing a trailer of this uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League at that same virtual event. DC fandom, August twenty-second. I picked up the fumble, and now we're good, guys. Uh, what do you make of the clip and of that we saw of the Black Superman and uh, Black Suit Superman and <laughs> the plan to unveil <laughs> the, black, the Black Superman? Oh my God! I don't know why this story is uh, tripping me up so much. What do you make of the clip of the Black Suit Superman and the plan to unveil this uh, these details regarding Zack Snyder Justice League at the convention? I go to Sham first. Well, I mean, I love Black Superman. Nah, um, <laughs> but uh, Mission Impossible, uh, <laughs> Mission Impossible Eight. Well, not even Mission Impossible. Was it uh, uh, Hobbs and Shaw? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, Hobbs. Exactly. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Whatever his name was, Bixby or whatever his name was in the drink. Um <laughs> but but yeah, I mean I thought the clip I mean it's a very, very short clip, but um look man, I think he look, it looks good in the black suit. That black suit is looking very legit. It's much better than just that small whatever ten seconds or whatever it was, better than everything I saw in just immediately better than everything I saw in just so I'm just like I'm all on board. You know, y'all know me. I'm a fan of Snyder. I'm a fan of his content. I like his directorial style. I'm I'm on board. So I want to see his version of Justice, a version of Justice League. Um, I'm looking forward to the DC fandom event even more now. I'm already looking forward to it for several different reasons, especially pertaining to video games and that is gonna be huge. Whatever the next WB superhero games are gonna be. <laughs> How do we know we're getting anything? I mean, you pretty much know at this point <laughs> that they're, they're going to announce either a Batman game or Batman, Suicide Squad game or whatever Ar- other Arkham games. Arkham Collection. Ah, the, no. the remaster. They've been collection. teasing. The WB Montreal been teasing stuff for for nothing for years. <laughs> Rocksteady. Ah, we, we're getting something. So, I mean, this. So, yeah, this fandom is going to be huge. I'm going to be watching everything. It's all one day. One day. It's one day. That's going to be a single day event. It's like don't even don't don't, uh, don't bother me. Um, I don't think so. Okay, 
Yeah, I don't think you have to pay. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's hidden behind some kind of <laughs> some kind of bizarre online yeah. paywall. <laughs> yeah, like man. Nah, they, um, they they want they want the press. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't wait for uh, Arkham on the Switch. You know, to be announced. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, nah, they, they don't want that kind of hate. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the, to me, Zack Snyder said a ton of stuff this weekend. He had an interview with Grace Randolph where he talked about. Uh, this isn't going to be in the DCEU, whatever whatever that means. But he said it's not, it's mm-hmm. not connected connected to the DCEU or something along those lines. Um, obviously, that Justice Con he said a lot of things, but um, the thing I took away the most, uh, obviously, the fandom stuff is interesting, but it's kind of more of a teaser, you know, in terms of yeah, you know, if you want to find out whether or not it's going to be a tri- whether or not it's going to be a movie or a limited series, check out DC fandom, you know. But um, to me, I thought the biggest thing was him talking about Joss Whedon when they asked him whether or not you're going to be using any of Joss Whedon's uh, footage, original footage from the movie. And he said, no, he said nothing that I didn't shoot is going to be in that movie, said it would be like setting the movie on fire, essentially. And, you know, he had some expletives in there as well. You know, he's very adamant that he's not going to let any of that touch his movie. I mean, I'm I'm glad that people like being saying the right things and being nice at the time and and being professional. But like I like this kind of thing annoys me. Like I know I've said it before, and I'm not shooting uh, Josh Whedon any kind of bail based on again the allegations that he had. (laughs) But Josh Whedon. (laughs) (laughs) However, no. What I want to say though is that like. I really wish Snyder would have been saying this when this movie was coming out. Like, I wish he would have seen that movie and be like, this movie is trash. There's nothing like I, like I wanted it. And it's it's like well, an embarrassment have- that this is not a movie that got put out. Why, uh, why did he not do that? They fired him anyway. Like He had no incentive not to just say his true feelings. Like I think he kind of, like in some ways, left the fans kind of at, you know, to kind of, Go through this, you know, him, yeah, online death match of you know whether or not the movie was close to Snyder's version or whether it wasn't because he was the one that was very supportive of Josh Whedon. And my thing is, yo, if your homies are telling yo, man, this guy's really abusive, he sucks, this movie sucks, like, why are you going? Why, why was he going out there being like, oh man, they they did a great job. I'm really happy they were finished through. Like, that's clearly not how he felt. That's clearly not how anybody felt on that project. Like, the reason I feel like it's actually better that he did this now instead of back then is if I take myself from when Justice League came out, let's say post-Justice League, we saw the movie, we were like, this movie's kind of whack, or whatever. If Joss, we, if Zack Snyder would have pulled the move that we've seen multiple directors pull of, well, my movie would have been great. Too bad you guys didn't get to see my movie. I, I I would I don't know about you guys, but I would have been like, shut up, Snyder. Like, yeah, I, was gonna I, say, I don't want to hear you talk about your movie was so good. I feel like we've heard that from you know Trank and all these guys, Air and I feel like name the name the the director that had that's had his movie a shafted. Big, a big budget flop. Yeah, the big budget flop. This movie had some studio meddling. Now this is a different situation. Uh, it's a different guy uh, came in. Uh, what's his name? Uh, you know, Lord Miller. Yeah, Lord Solo, Miller, Solo. Gareth Edwards, a lot of Star Wars examples of that as well. So I don't know. <laughs> and him saying it now, it feels a little more like 
it's still like after the fact, but and the tone I used was probably more antagonistic than he probably used. You know, I he did throw the expletives in there and was explosive, but I don't think it was like, you know, because screw like, Josh Whedon because his movie out. was awful. Right. I think it was more just like I just wouldn't do that to my movie. You know, I think that was his. That was his. That was the message and the theme you try yeah. to get across was that, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't want to put anything out there that's not me. It's not my movie. Mm-hmm. And Which, that's fair. And that's fair because at the end of the day, I know there's still. I think the 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 non the Snyder like quote unquote haters, I guess, you know, they're still kind of on their high horse, being like, "Hey, man, like this is not actually a Snyder cut. It's still going to be a new movie." So like him saying that, I think kind of like it's kind of a shot at them too, being like, "Nah, yeah, I got well, I got the I got the material." Is that these people that have been out there, and we know who they are. We don't even have yep. to name names. Yep. There are we a lot of people, multiple people that have been out there saying the Snyder cut doesn't exist, never existed. It's a made up thing. That when this got released, double down, triple down, when it got announced, triple down and said, See, I told you guys it was never a thing. Because it's gonna cost him thirty, forty million dollars just to make it anyway. So clearly this is never a thing. That was such I just feel like that was like one of the, just the most like lamest excuses to like stand on your ground about something that you were wrong about. It was odd. And it really, it was like, it, it was like it, a semantic, it was a semantics argument that was so nonsensical to me. Right. I still and don't get it. This is the confirmation because I would have, I would have given you some, I would, I would have given you some, some flack on that or cut you some flack on that. If, if Snyder came out and said, yeah, you know, we're using a lot of Joss's stuff as well. We're <laughs> right. adding some stuff, but it's kind of a mixture of two movies. I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's just the Snyder cut. Necessarily, <laughs> it might be an exaggeration, but if he's gonna put a movie out there, or put some sort of content out there that's over two hundred minutes long, with only stuff that he shot, and it's not like he's going out there and shooting more stuff. It's just, they're just gonna be touching things up. They're gonna adding some CGI. Then, then yes, this is this was the movie. This was always a thing. This was possible. They could have done this before. They just decided not to for reasons. So, I don't know. I mean, to me, look, I massive credit to the Snyder Cut people, the fans that were so much about release of Snyder Cut, and we got to see it. They were right, you know? And I wasn't always the biggest believer in the Snyder Cut. I wanted it gone. I was like, I'm tired of this being in the lexicon of the conversation. It's never going to happen. Regardless of whether that was real or not, I didn't think it would ever happen. So, the fact that it's even happening, we got Snyder talking about it. He's being very, very, um, what's the word? He's just being very public about it. Yeah, yeah, he's talking. He's talking his ish. He's really coming out of the coming out of the shadows for a guy that's been kind of in the background a little bit. Now I think. Well, I want to say, man, I'm really happy for him. By the way, he's got a property coming out on Netflix that I think is also he's got to promote something, but it's still it's still impressive. And I'm happy for I'm happy for him because you know, look, we 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 do commentary here. We criticize every everybody, um, and and but we understand obviously these all people and. Regardless of how it all went down with Warner Brothers the first to go around, we know that there was indeed a, a tragedy within his family and with his within um, within his life. And to see, regardless of how you, how you feel about Zack Snyder's DCEU, regardless of how you feel about his movies, um, I do think there is something really awesome, kind of seeing him out here in these streets, so to speak, talking his ish, 
excited about a project again. Yeah, back to what he was doing, yeah. Right. Like this is a, this, Zach has always been a guy that's been very. He's always been a guy that's always been out here, always very, uh, you know, excited to talk about his properties. And we just haven't right. seen. We haven't right. seen him. Direct. He, 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 we he haven't seen him, and you know, for a, to a certain extent, there had to be a level of confidence loss considering how much hate he got. And we could, again, talk about how fair or unfair it was, but he, he, you know, you have this tragedy happen, you separate from Warner Brothers, and then you had these years of, of now nah, he had years of support, too, let's be fair, because that's why we're having this. No, it's not a cut thing happen, but... I mean, there's a large chorus of people talking about how terrible you you did and how much of a poor job you did. Like, I, I know that has to eat at the psyche. That has to eat at someone a creator's confidence. So I, even if I don't, I didn't love what he did with Justice League or with Batman v Superman, and I don't have great confidence. This is going to be a great project, though. Who knows? I, that's how I feel. Is who knows what this is going to be because we didn't get to see this project in its full totality. It, it it you gotta feel good to at least see him with this kind of swagger again. Like that that to me does warm my heart considering what he went through was serious. You know, this wasn't you know, just nothing. Like he went through some serious tragedy and to see him out talking his issues uh is, is good to see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm I mean I'm I'm super happy for him. Considering everything he went through and you know, all the negative press he's very consistently gotten. Um, you know, right or wrong, or, you know, how however he felt about his projects. Um, you know, I, I think it's just great that he's able to come out with this project. I, I'm extremely excited for it, and I'm glad he's still getting work too. He's got a new Netflix show coming out. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think this is great for him, and I'm just excited for this to come out for us to get more information on it. Um, I think releasing more stuff in the fandom. I remember, I mean, time is just going by so fast. I remember we were talking about this like, oh, it's in late August. Oh, okay, and now it's like. Oh, it's in a month. It's like, what? You're not doing anything. Yeah. Like, you know, you talk about, like, just daily life. You know, you kind of, you don't really go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. time flies so quickly now. Time flies, you know. Yeah, it's COVID in America. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, the time is just comes and goes. It's Groundhog Day, you know, which yeah. we'll talk about. With, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so, um, so, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. I think that is kind of a good uh, segue to Ages of Shield. So that is our episode recap for this week. So we're talking about Ages of Shield, season seven, episode nine. As I have always been, this was the, as Kendall mentioned, the Groundhog Day episode of Ages of Shield. Um, we kind of saw, uh, we saw in the previews that this was going to be the episode. I also definitely want to shout out um, Elizabeth uh, Hentridge, who made her directorial debut in this episode. She, of course, plays Gemma Simmons. What a de- debut for a director this had to be, to be doing this episode. I feel she like... For anti people getting their episodes, she, was like, she called out more <laughs> Jed Whedon. And was like, where's my episode? Where's, where's my episode, yeah. Now, Clark Gregg has gotten, I think, multiple. If, definitely one. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think he's gotten, yeah, yeah. I think he's gotten more. He's more. Actually. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think Elizabeth now is only the second person, I think, who's on the on the cast to actually direct an episode. She did an amazing job. Um, this episode was written by Drew uh, Greenberg, who I think he deserves a lot of credit because he, he did an amazing job. This is an amazing script. Uh, this this is a great episode. This is kind of crazy because of how, you know, you guys know how much I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but you, Shamar, you weren't here, but kind of you were. I, I kind of came down on the show last week. I said that. 
I said that last week's episode. You said it was the worst show ever. <laughs> definitely didn't say that. But look, I, th- I thought last week's episode in many ways. I thought last week's episode in many ways felt like a waste of time, and I felt like for a season that's coming down to the wire, and we have so many loose ends to tie. I felt like last week's episode again, while entertaining, because the cast is always good and the writing is always good, so therefore it's always entertaining. It just felt like it was kind of meaningless, and I was disappointed. Uh, this episode turned the tide very quickly. Um, it set the tone immediately. Uh, they went with, again, the Groundhog Day theme, the Russia doll theme, where, uh, you know, using the, the, the time travel aspect of the show to have a time loop episode where you have Daisy, who is stuck in a time loop because the hyperdrive is overloading. And it's just it's just brilliant. It, it has, uh, you know, the Groundhog Day element mixed with the whodunit detective element, the mystery element. And um, and we ended with a, 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 obviously a, a completely tragic end for uh, for um, what's his name for Enoch. Yeah. And I do also want to give a massive shout out to the actor that plays Enoch, uh, Joel Stoffer. Um, his monologue at the end of that episode was really touching. Um, I, I didn't shed a tear, but I was emotional seeing hearing him kind of go through. The fears he has with death and what that means, and I guess you know I, we've dealt with personal death within our family, and um, I guess that's probably why it touched me maybe more than I, maybe it would have. But I, I think it was just special. I just think it was a special monologue. He delivered it extremely well. His acting in, during this whole episode was amazing, and what I loved about this episode too was we finally really got to see a true old school Daisy and uh, and. and um, What's the name? Uh, Coulson interaction. You know, we've had this old, this uh, kind of older style Coulson with us this whole season, and you know, we were while we 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 haven't seen his kind of usual interactions with May because May's been going through what she's been going through. I kind of it kind of didn't dawn on me until this episode that we also haven't had that kind of classic, you know, Daisy Coulson kind of dynamic, and to see that play out in this episode. It just brought me back to the, the older seasons and just how much chemistry Clark Gregg and uh, Chloe Bennett have. This was uh, phenomenal. The only the, like the only weakness to the episode was that you know again moving the story along it didn't do that as much, but it, it just didn't matter. It was sometimes certain shows and certain episodes are just so good, and the acting and the writing and the directing is so good it doesn't the, the larger story kind of doesn't matter. I would have if if moving the story along meant I didn't get this episode. I rather would have had this episode. It was that it was that great. And um, I do I do think it was interesting though that the actor Joel Stoffer who plays um, Enoch said that he kind of did feel like his end was anticlimactic because he didn't get to see Fitz this whole season. And I did feel that too. Like, um, but after seeing you know Gemma had that kind of mini meltdown during one of those time loops when she remembers whatever she's done that she's forgotten about. I think whenever Fitz, we see him and he has to deal with the loss of Enoch and why he's lost. I think that that, the acting we'll see between, um, from, from the caster and what we've already seen from, um, Elizabeth will, will be, will be enough. But this was a phenomenal episode. Extremely well done. Sham, what do you think of it? Yeah, this was a fantastic episode. Um, I mean, I thought, I thought last week's episode was, was, 
decent as well. Uh, I've I've liked this entire season, as I've said many times. Um, I do agree last week is probably one of the weaker ones of the season. I, 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 I thought it was the worst episode. I think I said that. I thought it was the worst yeah. episode of the season. Um, which I'd probably agree with that if I looked through all the episodes. I still I still enjoyed it, though. Um, but, yeah, this episode was, was great. Uh, so, you know, is as Kendall had mentioned, it's a Groundhog Day um, type episode where they're stuck in a time loop. Wake, get up, doing the same thing. Um, and I agree. I like the Daisy Colson dynamic. And then by the end, they just they just kept looping everybody in every every go around <laughs> to what they had to do. It was it was just really well. It was very well written, very well written, very well acted. Yeah. Um. And you know, I I do hope this kind of concludes the time jumping aspect i feel like this would be a good kind of kind of um you know kind of tying the the like finishing up the bow tying the bow kind of finish wrapping up this whole saga of this whole time time jumping time leaping arc but um but yeah i i thought the episode itself was great daisy was great colson i think colson and Enoch, um, I mean, and Daisy, but I feel like Daisy's great every episode. Chloe Bennett's, she has that role, she has that role down so well. Um, but did you, but have you felt, because this is how I, I, I kind of feel like they haven't really challenged Chloe with much of anything this season. And maybe they were kind of holding it because they knew this episode was coming. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I mean, she had the stuff with, with uh, whatchamacallit, Malik, that was about it. What yeah. was that stuff with Malik? Oh, well, her, she, when she, she was trapped? Was, she wanted yeah, to kill she him. she was with Susa and stuff. And she was all bashed up. Like I mean, yeah, but I mean, I'm talking about, like, Daisy at times and has been the absolute center of the season. And even when she's been on the, terrestrial, ter- 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 you know, whatever that word is, on the ter- side, she, like, she yeah. she still has been, she was, the actress, I, you know, I felt she was challenged to do a lot of things that were difficult. I didn't, I, I, when I watched this episode, the one thing that dawned on me again was that, oh, wow, they really haven't given Chloe a lot. What she's got, I mean, she's been around, but I just feel like she's kind of been, like, in the background. She's kind of been as, just a part of the team, which is fine because other people are allowed to shine. I mean, I think we've gotten way more out of Mac this season than we've ever gotten from him. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, like I, Deke has had some really great yeah. moments. So it's not to say that, oh, like, you know, why isn't Daisy getting more time? It's not like I was clamoring for it but I, th- I just thought that this episode like dawned on me oh wow like chloe bennett really hasn't been like front and center the way she normally is and this is the first episode we have that and if anybody thought that she lost it she got it she still is a great oh, actress and she did a me? great job in this in this episode yeah, hopefully we do um yeah but yeah i mean i agree yeah she i mean she was great in this episode um, but again, that's kind of what I, I expect from her at this point in this role. Um, but I thought Clark Gregg and, and Enoch, which are surprisingly two non-human characters. Um, but I thought they, they also kind of stole the show yeah. as kind of the supporting characters in, in this episode. Um, and Gemma was good too, though I feel like her role was very, much more singular um, she was directing, so she, you know, yeah, she, yeah, and she was directing, obviously, right. you know, so, 
Um, but yeah, I thought Clark Gregg and Enoch, I thought they had, um, I thought they had fantastic episodes as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought I agree with you guys. I thought this was really a, uh, thought this was a solid episode. Um, I definitely, I definitely feel like the, 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 the stuff with Enoch was definitely very, very good. Um, in terms of adding, you know, a level of, of you know, Shamari talks about him not being a non-human character, but adding a level of humanity to the character was 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 interesting um, at the end. I definitely, so for, first of all, funny story. Um, when I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I watch it on ABC.com. And when I watch it, it typically, for every episode, that I've watched it this season, it it sometimes it loops itself, so like it'll it'll go to like the right. first commercial break, and when it picks up the commercial break, it'll kind of start from like the last commercial break. So it'll like play oh, itself. Oh, over. that that's this was the wrong episode for that to be happening. So it, completely, this was the wrong episode for that <laughs> issue to happen <laughs> because like I'm <laughs> if I'm watching it and and I, I'm playing video games while I'm watching it, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm watching it and I'm like. I realized, all right, so it was a loop episode, but then, but then like after a while, I started to realize I'm like, this is exactly how this thing happened last time. I'm like, even the way Daisy's remembering things, I'm like, are they really just gonna just completely play back the thing that was? Oh, okay, it just played back. Uh, like they're really going hardcore with this loop thing. So after I after after I was able to fix that problem, uh, the episode certainly made sense. It was probably an extra fifteen minutes. After a while, I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. But did you guys notice how uh, the, during this, I think the second loop, they, or one of the, I think it was the second or third, like they they played the like the under credits again, which I thought was, I yeah, was, I would have noticed. Which was, I thought was brilliant. Like they went, they they like went through the whole thing. They went to the title screen, and they they went through it again, and then I think they went to the title screen one more time. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw and that. then the third time, they were still playing the credits in the bottom, and I was like, this is really good. Like that's a little detail that's really smart. Like, and a part of me was like, "Yo, are they gonna play the credits like every time when she loops?" I kind of was hoping they would because it would be like, it, I mean, it's a time loop. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed this so much, and I enjoyed the aspect of like, even though they were in a time loop, like whatever was happening to them was still happening. They were still being sucked into that time thing that was gonna evaporate them. Like that was just like a little detail I thought that added urgency to the story. That felt a little believable. Like sometimes you have these things too, where it's just like, well, what's the urgency to get out of this other than being stuck in like a madness of being in a loop? And it's like, well, we're gonna die if we don't <laughs> do this because of how they the, how they set up the story. I thought that that was uh, a my, my only my only other negative is that while I agree that it definitely kind of didn't move the story along, I, I thought the the cliffhanger was kind of lame. Uh, or not kind of it wasn't lame you know with Malik well Malik just I'm, I'm I'm about to ready to say Malik is terrible I'm pretty much there wow you're there already it's, it's too early he just it's looks, early. Yeah, he gotta, looks ridiculous he sounds ridiculous like I mean yeah I agree like so far like, he's it's, been it's, like, it's, I it's I, I, I don't know how you save this character Unless you move still- forward now, the the one the reason why I, I'm not going to say it's completely over is because they have time travel with their hands. So okay, you move to a future version. Maybe he's a lot better twenty years from now. 
But I'm just he saying, might be an actor, you know, yeah. Like, but I'm just saying that the place this actor and this character is in right now, I'm totally uninterested. I have zero interest in anything he's doing. Every time he shows up, I, like when he showed up at the end, I was kind of hoping that the post credit scene, quote unquote, would be something more about the time loop or them or them being on the ship. When he went to Malik, I was like, oh god, I don't need to see this. And that's that's yeah, bad. He's the main villain. That's why I was like the the that that cliffhanger was like you know it kind of takes you out of the story, and it doesn't really excite you for mm-hmm. the next one. So I'm just like, I mean, I guess like if you, if you want to add more to like the stuff about the sister and Malik, but I don't know, I didn't really need it. You could you could have cut that. And and, I, you, know, and, and you know, I again, I I don't kind of like that symbol in the Chronicoms. It's kind of like the answer to all answers or all questions rather. Because, like, when he's like, oh, wait till you meet your sister. I'm like, how does he know Daisy's her sister? It's like, oh, Sybil probably told her. And it's like, well, that's... I'm tired of that being the answer to everything. You know? Like, that's also kind of a, a crutch, I feel, sometimes. We have, like, all-knowing beings within your show. There's a smart way to go about using those characters, like we've seen with, you know, Watchmen and Dr. Manhattan. Uh, that aspect, I think, is u- being used as a crutch to prop up a villain that is just... I don't think all that inspired. I don't think the writing behind him is very inspired. Inspired. I like. There's four episodes. They could do more, but I don't know. I don't think they could salvage him. I think he's terrible. I think <laughs> doesn't mean the season can't be great. Doesn't mean these last few episodes can't be great. But it. He's just an. I think he's an anchor. Because he. You don't. It was. He was on the screen for thirty seconds this this episode. I, I, and I was I, like, he, why he did I see that? He hasn't been in the show that prominently. Yeah. For me to say he's an anchor. Yeah, I think that's a bit much. But I, I agree. I, mean, that, I agree. He's been underwhelmed. I agree that I agree that he's been a little underwhelming. I don't think he's been he hasn't been that bad. He's not as good as his dad. Uh, Freddie Malik was a much better villain. Yeah, and, he, and and I I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's been nearly as bad as you guys. I mean, um, has he given you any reason to 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 like his acting performance or be like this, this guy's a good character? I thought he was, you know I thought he was pretty decent before like he got the power. I'll give you that. I thought when he first was trying to get the power from Sky, I thought he was solid. I thought the actor did a good job. I thought, but once since he's had the powers, it's gone down. It's gone down. We haven't seen so that much of him though. And we yeah. haven't seen that. That's much. why I'm just That's like, I can't okay, well, I have, to, I have to see what he does. He shows up at the place. He ransacks the place with his troops. I'm like, all right, let's all see. that stuff was kind of. Like, I'm just like, let me. I want to <laughs> see what he does. Let's <laughs> see what he does. I haven't seen anything about what he does. I don't. I don't mind how he how he looks, how he talks. I mean, I'm just. And like, like, all right. I, we said this I mean, last week. I, think, or I said this last week, but I, I wasn't a big fan of like the idea that he just all of a sudden has become this supervillain because he saw Sky use the powers. I'm not the biggest fan of that. That yet. was kind of odd. It's like, oh, you you you're you're a mutant or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. And now all of a sudden, like, he's obsessed with like getting her power, and now he's like this. And maybe it's like blood related, like he's yeah, like, a son of a Hydra yeah. guy. But I don't know. It, that was an odd way of explaining why he is the way he yeah. is. Because yeah, even right. say he doesn't believe in any of the Hydra mojo, mo, mojo. So it was like mumbo jumbo, she said. So it's like, I don't know. I feel you. I mean, I, for me, the jury's still out. I got to see what, he, what else he does. Jury's not, jury's not out for me. I, I'm I'm out. <laughs> She's like, the jury's in. The verdict has been reached. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a wrap. I, I, just, I just can't deal with him. I, I couldn't believe he was still wearing the trench coat and the and the uh and the, and the the fingerless gloves. I'm like, yo, I, I thought he changed clothes once he got to 
you know, that that spot, you know, the where the, the inhumans are. I'm like, he's still wearing that? Afterlife, yeah. Yeah, he's still wearing that in afterlife. I thought he would have started wearing a little more like, you know, appropriate clothes for being the head of afterlife. And he's like, Nope, he still looks like you know, someone at a uh, like someone at someone at a what's the name uh, at like a you know incl- insane clown posse you know concert in 1998. Like his wardrobing is terrible. Nothing about his character has been good to me. I, I'm sorry, but loved the episode. It was fantastic. Still looking forward to the rest of the season, especially because that last episode was such a banger. Please, please improve this Malik character for me because he's not doing it for me. Anyway, let's uh, finish this show talking about Star Girl. This episode we're talking about is episode eleven, season one, Shining Night. Um, that's a great episode, great name for this episode because obviously, of course, some of the story centers around Justin, who's the the, the school custodian who realizes that he was Shining Night, the superhero, and he's trying to get back his memories that were lost, probably by Doctor Ito after you see him kind of um, fight with like you know uh, who you know Stripesy or Pat. And the kids thinking that they were Doctor Ito and his minions, but um, but it's a great name considering I think that the China name also is supposed to be like the ideal of what uh, uh what Courtney thought her father would be, which is her shining knight. You know this this story of her father being Starman and and that being uh, as we see kind of like the the motivation behind her you know doing all this stuff as Star Girl and being this superhero. And it comes crashing down when she finally meets her father, Sam Curtis, who is uh, just just another bum, pretty much. Um, it, I, had, I had a lot of Lou Smith vibes to the Sam Curtis character. If you guys don't know who Lou Smith is, it was the uh, the, the father of Will Smith in The Fresh Prince. Oh yeah, uh, it's same same energy, same 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 deadbeat energy I got from Lou Smith is what I got from <laughs> Sam Curtis. Dude pulls up, says he wants to now meet his daughter, and the episode does a good job of pulling you in. And he's, you know, for the most part, while he's obviously, you know, a terrible person, it pulls you in for the most part, thinking that oh, like he, it seems like he is trying to make a relationship and he is trying to, um, uh, you know, make some amends for for being so absent for so many years. Then you get to the end when he's like, hey, that's a nice locket. It'd be great if maybe I could use it to like get some money, and it's such like a yeah, s- scummy like it's such a scummy move. It was really well done that that was like how he got to her, and because you knew that drop was probably gonna come, like it's gotta be some kind of shooter drop with him, and and that and the fact that they used that locker that we've seen her hold throughout the entire season, and him look at it as a uh, dollar signs, it, it was tough. You know, it was tough. I kind of was hoping that they allow uh, they allow Courtney to kind of have her Will Smith moment you know, that we saw in that Fresh Prince, where he you know goes off about uh, what it what how hurt it makes him to not have his father with him. I kind of thought you know maybe that might be too for a young Brick Bassinger at this point in her career, but I thought like you know when Pat says you know you could lay it on me, whatever you got to say, you say it now. Like I'm ready for you. I'm here for you. I was kind of hoping she would like have like a similar kind of monologue, but. Nonetheless, uh, she was great in this episode. I think the the evolutions of her, because she didn't talk a lot. A lot of it was kind of like, you know, body language and facial expressions to kind of allude how she felt during different parts of the episode was uh, well done. Um, 
this was good. It was good. I think it was needed. I think this was a perfect kind of like buffer to what I think was going to be some big episodes coming up. We got a two-parter to end the season. So the whole father thing had to be put to bed, you know, fully. And I think it was important to move the story along and for Courtney to understand that, hey, like, you're not a superhero because, you know, your dad was a superhero. You're a superhero because you care about people and because um, and because you have it in you. And the staff knows that, and that's why it chose you, not because you think that you're some guy's daughter. And that's the message that we need to get to at some point. Um, there's an argument to me that made that maybe this could have been done a little earlier, but it was still a fine episode. I still enjoyed it. Um, what do you think, Kendall? You so you think that the 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 father reveal could have happened earlier? Yeah, not not a lot earlier, but I'm thinking maybe one or two more episodes, two two episodes earlier. Like the idea that this is now we're at the season finale basically because next week's episode I, is a two parter. I'm like, uh... I kind of read that it was weird timing, mm-hmm. but I thought maybe they should just hold that they could have held on it a little longer. Like I didn't need it now. Um, like but you think maybe even next season they could have held. They could have. Yeah, I think they could have held it either till next season or season finale or I don't know, but. I, I like that wasn't an answer to a question that I was necessarily asking right now. Um, I was asking it, but it wasn't like something I needed answered right now. Um, but look, they gave it, and it was interesting. You know, I is is, is there anything more to that ca- character or story, or is that it? Seems like that's it. Um, I'm a little surprised. I thought there'd be more to it, but uh, I think that's that was the point. That's the we point. Yeah, sometimes so is this for, what we deal with. Multiple episodes. Is that yeah, exactly. it's not going to be some some super. It's not going to be a superhero story. Some yeah. comic book story. It's going to be very very real. Yeah, It'll be very mm-hmm. very disappointing. <laughs> yep, similar to Henry's death. Yes, that's the point. So, yeah, I mean, it was. It. I, I mean, this was a good episode. You know, I, the last episode was excellent. I think this episode fell short of that. Um, but it was solid, and you know, so it's a. It's a for more or less a penultimate since the next two are supposed to be one and two parters. But so it kind of get, I mean, you get ready for the finale. I mean, I thought the, the, the most interesting aspect of this was the, the stuff with icicle finding out about, um, what you call it being starter, Courtney being starter. Um, yeah. seemed like a logical next step once brainwave got his, got his mind back. And I mean, look, the, they, they, they're doing a, we talked about it, I think, last week. Uh, we talked about the ISA, you know, it's having some teeth cut out of them a little bit. with <laughs> And Brainwave uh, taking out Henry added a little bit to that. And, you know, I think the stuff with Brainwave and Courtney at the, <laughs> at the assembly mm-hmm. and the stuff with Icicle talking about we got to take out Mike too. I mean, they're definitely trying to add more teeth to them again, make them more of a threat. Because I talked about it last week. The fact that you had the kids going into the lair not worried about anything, to me, just it was like, what? I was more worried for them than they were. And <laughs> I'm a viewer that knows Star Wars not going to die. <laughs> but I was like, yo, man, this is very dangerous. So, point being that they, they didn't have, there wasn't a whole lot of threat to those characters, especially when you saw. You know, Dragon King getting, you know, met, <laughs> having his match met by Star Girls. Like, oh, I don't know about this, but yeah, I mean, no, I thought this was, uh, I thought this was a good episode, and I, it, 
acted more of a kind of a catapult to the next one, but it'll be interesting to see how they how they develop the Shining Knight character and yeah, I mean they we got the answer to the story to the question we had about Courtney's lineage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought this was a very good episode. Um it didn't have all the action, didn't have all the lore necessarily, but it had the character building, which I mean I feel like this show does very well. And it's I mean a necessary element. I wasn't really asking for to have the her her father question answered necessarily so soon either, but I, I'm fine getting the answer now. That's perfectly a-okay with me. I don't need any other shoe to drop or, oh, this is, oh, oh this is another, oh, Starman's your uncle, he's your, you know, he's your mom's <laughs> brother. I'm not convinced. I think there will be another shoe to drop. Oh, uh, you think you already? There will be. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, a, again, a, a cousin thing, an uncle, a, you know, the dad's brother, cousin, yeah, it's Starman, oh, some oh, sort of lineage. Twice removed. I, I don't know how it's going to work. I really hope <laughs> not, because I think that there is a very, very important story being told. And it's yeah. kind of the story that we, a little bit that we saw told in Into the Spider-Verse, that anybody could be behind the mask. And the notion that, like, it's not your lineage, it's not your gender, your skin color, it's not any, anybody could be a hero. It's what's inside of you. And that's important message that was very effectively delivered in this episode i i think the nature of it wasn't going to allow it to reach the peaks that the last episode did but it was extremely well executed and that can only be told i think and be affirmed if there isn't no any lineage between starman and starbird like they can't i, I hope, really hope that's not the case i think it kind of throws away a lot of the messaging that they've been putting out that it is something in you it's not genetics that like lead you to be a, a great hero you know yeah yeah exactly yeah so i personally um i i am satisfied with the story that they have told you know i'm not i'm not you know clamoring for more is like no this can't be it similar to how she was in this episode where she's like no this can't be it it's like no this this can be it so but yeah I, overall i thought this was a very good episode i'm interested to hear more about the shiny knight as well i'm sure we'll get some sort of some more reveals with him. Was anybody else not surprised that like nobody else like besides Pat like freaked out that like this custodian was in their house being like I know who I am, you can help me. Like it seems I feel like, like did they did they explain or did, did Pat they, explain? Yeah, they, I don't did like, we did I miss that scene or something? I just like why like, is he in their house and why is nobody like, being like why is a custodian here? I he was smiling at the guy. I'm like this guy first of all, he looks crazy. He looks man. crazy. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Pat told um, the his, you know, what's her what's her name, the wife, Bar- Barbara. Yeah, Barbara. Told <laughs> you, <Totally awesome. laughs> yeah. the wife and the daughter, and <laughs> you know, the woman, the blonde one. Nah, nah. Pat told Pat told Barbara that that he was a friend, and he was staying over. He was he does he need a place to go or whatever. Right, right. Okay. He right, didn't go to in depth, but I'm sure. I mean, okay. I, I mean, so it wasn't just re- okay. Just so. Like, like, it, I think I think it's pretty much an open book. Anything anything is possible. That's fine. As yeah. long as it wasn't, it just felt like as I was watching, I, I could have missed that scene, that moment. But like as I was watching, I was just like, "Why is he at their house? And why is nobody like, how'd you get in here?" Like it just seemed very weird. But if that scene happened. That makes sense then. Because um, he again, he looks so. He's obviously dealing with some kind of issue. Somebody really scrambled his brain. It could have been Doctor Ito. It could have also been um, Brainwave as well. Maybe a combination of both. That have him so messed up, but uh, 
But it just, I was just alarmed that like nobody was alarmed that this was happening. Um, there was one thing, other thing I wanted to say. Oh, what do we make of Icicle? You know, coming to that agreement. I know you know Kendall said it. You know, once again, it goes back to them adding more teeth to the J to the ISA, which is, I agree is what they needed. Um, I like. I kind of hope that there is still a little bit more. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Some a little more uh, closure, I guess, or more uh, work done on the the Barbara Icicle dynamic, only because like it's something they've clearly been working towards. Because he clearly is taking an interest in Barbara, and like okay, he comes to this 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 realization that once she knows that he's Icicle, that he's got to have her killed, which is appropriate given his character. But it just it just seems so abrupt, you know. You had his parents making these quotes like, "Oh, she's a great one. Like she's the kind of person that would be great for him." And like all that stuff was done. I kind of hope that we do get, and I'm sure we will. We have two more episodes, but I, I hope it's not just the that's the end of it. That we don't really see Barbara in high school interact anymore because clearly he sees something in her that does make him whatever. You know, it does make him interested. Do we, do we think that that he's gonna turn? Have some no. moment at some point where you- uh maybe i mean uh, darth vader right yeah, where he's right like, yeah that's what i thought too i thought maybe darth vader. maybe i don't know what you think i i i wouldn't put it super high but i think there's a chance because we kind of see in this episode and while i said that i think we saw in this episode what i thought what i said was the dynamic between him and dr ito but i think maybe it's more the dynamic dynamic between him and brainwave right. icicle is not the leader that he wants you to think he is Right, like he doesn't have the heart. He doesn't have, or rather, he does have the heart. <laughs> well, yeah, he has some of a heart, but even beyond that, like he doesn't. When I say he doesn't have the heart, like he can be swayed. He has emotions, um, which I guess, yeah, is, I guess in hindsight is what you're saying. Like, like the others are way more like obviously cold blooded. Don't think about anything. They do, do they do things because they're evil. Like I guess obviously, yes, this guy is evil. But unlike the other characters where I think they know they're evil, he seems to think that he's the hero of his own story. So it kind of it, it's a different dynamic than it is with the other villains. Where the other villains, and I think, are just more like, I want power and I want money and I want to control people. Or I just want to bring death, like, just because that's how I am. He's not like that. Like, he's clearly not. He clearly values, uh, he does want power. He does doesn't mind killing people, but... I think for him, there's always a reason behind it. There's always an yeah. ulterior motive. There's always a cause that, in the end, it's it's for the greater good. Whether it's getting revenge against people that he thinks are responsible for his wife, whether it's creating this new America because he feels America's messed up as it is, there's reasoning behind it. But because of that, I think it hurts him as a leader because he's he's got these you know, for lack of a better term, these like crazed dogs, and he's holding and this I, leech as hard as he can. Right. But Brainwave seems to be the kind of dude that. He could easily get let off and just completely run the ship, and I think that's what's right. going to happen eventually. And I think that's why we see his son uh, Cameron isn't as crazy as the rest of right. the Right? Like, like Henry wasn't crazy, but he was like you. You can tell he, initially they framed him as an evil kid. Yeah, he was you a know, trouble kid. Like, oh, yeah, he was he was a little dirty. Yeah, trouble kid. Yeah. He's brain he's brainwave son. Like you know, he's gonna he has his own issues, and Artemis has her own issues, and so like. Now the wi- the wizard's kid was like kind of was a nice kid, but 
to be fair, the wizard yeah. also was like he was probably the, the nicest of all of them. You know, right? And you had uh, the other girl, you know, who locked up right, Dragon King, yeah, Shiv. yeah, Shiv. Shiv. So like, um, so of all of them, Cameron is the one with the most human because Icicle seems to be the one that's most yeah. quote unquote human. I mean, I give I give that about a ten percent chance that he has any kind of turn. I don't see it happening. I see him staying evil right. throughout the entire series. Or if there is any kind of turn that it's it it comes after he was locked up for like a good amount of a season. Right. You know, I don't, I don't see him making just turning of his own volition while he's still plotting his evil stuff. I don't see that happening. Do we are, are we convinced that the, that the, that his son is going to be evil? Um, I hope so. I think, he but is. I think Icicle Junior. Like, yes, he's kind of like I don't even know if I'd call him evil. He does crime, but I think he's kind of like he's kind of like he's like High School Junior is kind of like a troubled kid who like and if they steer them in the right direction, people maybe he could do good, you know? Right, that's silver kind of, yeah. Where, where you know, and to the point where High looks at him kind of like he's a failure and that he's disappointed in him, you know? And I I, I kind of hope that like it it will be very easy to just make him a baby face, but I I do hope that they they kind of explore that angle that this is a kid who in the end like isn't a bad kid per se but he's just being led down a wrong path and this is how this is why that could happen because he's in a family with evil now if they do that that would be now the third time that they've kind of went in that direction what would be the first two well with the the kid who's our man and uh, but I think the Lee. difference with this would be the kid that's Icicle Junior right now is he's cool. Like there's nothing he's a good kid. Right. He's just a good kid. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with him. Mr. Like, Mr. Evil. Our man and uh Brainwave Junior were they were troubled already. Like they're already troubled. Like, like that would be a different story because this would be here's how a good kid can be turned and manipulated into something different because of his influence, right? I, yeah, I'm saying then if they then turned him back, I'd be like, oh, all right, so we're doing this again. The whole oh, you can be do good. Yeah, I mean, that's, it would happen for a while. Yeah, I, I, hope, I hope that's not the case. Um, yeah. I think that 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 probably is what's going to happen, but I hope that's not the case. I do think they want to explore the romance angle with him and Courtney a little more, but and I don't think they want you know Courtney, and Courtney to be with like a villain. They none like Kylo Ren. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see where his character goes, just in general. You know, I mean, I'm hoping we don't really get any high school junior action for a while. Yeah, you want to see in the finale him and Courtney going at it? Nah. <laughs> so I'm hoping they don't necessarily take the Titans route and just just put him in a yeah, put him in a costume. Right. Next season, I'm thinking maybe they give it an extra season. Maybe they maybe he I has a. Maybe he has a villain villain turn at the end of next season or something like that. I think it's gonna be next season. I, I could see them going with like a Harry Osborne. I hope it wouldn't be. Like, I hope it would be like the end of next season. I would take out. I don't want him to spend even like half or most of next season as a villain. Right. I wouldn't like that. If they take out Icicle, it may not even be them. It could be Brainwave for a little. Yeah, I, I, I get the feeling that they are gonna take out Icicle. But if they take out Icicle, he would have then lost both his parents. Mm-hmm. He go the Harry Osborne route. Mm-hmm. Of like, 
you know, screw the world, screw the JSA. And that's where I think they're going. Mm. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll I see. I was born. I expect. <laughs> Bless you. Um, uh, no, I like the uh, Harry Asborn idea. I think that that could definitely work. Um, I think that's it for this week's uh, episode. So, uh, thank you guys, obviously, for joining us. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure, uh, and Spotify. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, New Generation Pod, on Instagram, New Generation Podcast, um, and on Facebook, New Generation Media, if I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Instagram, New Generation Podcast, yep, got it wrong. So, uh, and Shamari, obviously, is on social media. You can find him on Snapchat, MCSham22, as well as on Instagram at the same handle, MCSham22. Follow me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, ActionEJ. Thank you guys so much for listening in. For Shamari, for Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.